0: Like, so I've been listening to Interview the Vampire this past week uh, again, but I grabbed the audiobook because I don't know why. I grabbed the audible audiobook of The Exorcist, and that's how I reread that. So when my new month came up, I was like, ooh, I haven't read Interview the Vampire in a number of years, so I'll listen to it. So I started listening to it at work. The problem is, like, I'm a Frenchman who is listening to a New Orleans Frenchman speak to a Parisian Frenchman, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the narrator continuously calls Louis Louis. <laughs> and it's driving oh, no. me fucking nuts like it drove me insane the entire time i was listening to the book because he kept calling a french man named louis louis no over and over again and then he had Lestat saying louis to louis <laughs> and it makes no sense because he's from paris he's not going to call somebody who's named louis louis like that or louis louis that makes no
1: sense so i was just having this like every time he said that name i was like fuck it's taking me out of it <laughs> actually i met with a guy for work on uh friday whose uh, name is spelled like like louis should be it's you know pronounced like L-O-U-I-S yeah. yeah. but he pronounces it Lewis and it fucks me up every time I all, I always have to catch myself that I don't call him Louis and not Lewis. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how it should be pronounced. Lewis is L-E-W-I-S. That's the way the Americans ruin that name. So that's the way that you spell it if you want to have it pronounced that way. Yeah. So
2: yeah.
0: You're ruining enough America, don't take our fucking French names and ruin <laughs> them. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, preamble. There you go.
2: Woo! Well, everybody, welcome to Dance Robot Dance. We are on episode 119. And uh, today we've got our usual crew. You know, we've been doing pretty well, you guys.
1: Yeah, I think since I was like in Europe, since I was like, uh, yeah, th- those couple weeks, I think we've been everybody on board.
2: Yeah. Knock on wood. But...
1: That's like two and a half months now something like that it's gotta Mm -hmm. be
2: like at least three
1: yeah christy you're 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 due to fuck off sometime soon right
2: yeah i was (laughs) i was literally just talking
1: about this paul and i actually recorded an episode of
0: side A side b last whoa so like we were recording and i was like it's been a long time since you've been on dance robot dance and i was that i was kind of thinking i was like it's actually christy's been on every episode for like since august almost and i'm like huh we just haven't had a need to go and like grab an extra person or do a two-hander Save that oh, yeah. one time
2: that paul just didn't show up well there was
0: that too. yeah i did give him a little bit of grief for that one i'm like yeah, well you totally just bail on us but that was before yeah, i think like too. our little run started so there was yeah. that yeah
2: no the last time i wasn't here was during the fringe because i was like oh my god like trying to mm-hmm. get my life in order
1: was it then or was it when you got proposed to on your trip was that before or after fringe
2: no i still did she miss no, that I week missed that week we talked to, you guys because oh, like okay.
1: Yeah, because we were here, right? That The week she actually
0: got proposed. You guys talked about before. it on the
2: episode, because I, I didn't miss because of the trip. I'd missed because I was in the fringe, and we had booked for when I was coming back mm. from the trip.
0: And um, we, had, we had to do an episode because I was on my way yes, to Seattle. exactly. I think that's what that's was going what was on, because that was right. Pearl Jam time, too, so... Inside baseball.
2: inside baseball so yeah, baseball. there you go folks a little <laughs> bit of look into our lives um, a yeah, <laughs> little retrospective there for you but this week you will have me christy as your lovely host and we are joined like i said by our usual crew that you now come to recognize and love we've got tim hi folks and we've got
0: mark i don't like pepsi the flavor of pepsi i got a Pepsi <gasps> with a sandwich yesterday and it's like i'm drinking it now and i don't like it
1: yeah it's weird to me Where that? because i'm so used to Where coke i don't know from? anyway I mean, I've, li- I've lived in Georgia for 10 years now. Pepsi is just foreign to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because well, yeah, that's where Coke is, right? Is it- <laughs> yeah,
0: Atlanta. Atlanta is Coke's headquarters. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. And, like, I am a Coke drinker by most mm-hmm. margins. But, like, I ordered a sandwich, and Pepsi was the brand they had.
1: And I'm drinking it now, and I'm like, I don't like it. <laughs> I yeah, mean. when I'm when I'm traveling now, and like somebody tells me like they only have Pepsi products, like it takes a second to process. I'm like, what? What wait what you... that? What? That's a thing? Why do you only have thing? that? What's wrong with you? Yeah, like okay. there's there's even because in Canada the Taco Bell's are all Pepsi, right? Yeah, but they have Dr Pepper on the tap, so like that's a separate I, it, company. That, that op- no, but they
0: it's a PepsiCo company. They like they're owned by Pepsi because they get okay. put on those fountain drinks, like the Pepsi fountain drinks. There's always yeah, Dr yeah. Pepper if they have a decent selection. So that's my Taco Bell go-to is Dr Pepper, but yeah. like I was ordering off Uber Eats from Subway and they like only had Pepsi and ginger ale and I'm like I don't like either of those options yeah. so I'll take Pepsi I guess.
1: But I was I was gonna say that in Atlanta there's even Taco Bells that serve Coke products. God that would be amazing. That's my <laughs> dream world. <laughs>
0: I don't
2: Anyways. really yeah, I don't drink Tangier. pop. I'm not a pop person.
0: I cut it out and then like go back to it occasionally and I've been on it again yeah. the last couple of weeks. So, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I just but I just I just opened it and took a sip of it as we were starting the episode. I was like, <laughs> I,
2: I just don't like the the fizz anyway. that it brings back into my nose if I like burp or cough or anything like that. I'm just like, ah. Ugh! So, <laughs> you
0: know like that yeah. burning sensation? It's basically an addiction. Like, I think people are just addicted to it at this point, and I know it's definitely one of those things for me where I'm like, I just love Coke so goddamn much, even though I can't really explain to you why I like it. Like, there's no reason for me to like
1: it. I just- What's, What's the cocaine? Yeah, I guess. Cocaine? Cocaine. that? <laughs> Hello. Anyway, hi, everybody. Um, I don't like Pepsi. But <laughs> as far as vices go, soda
2: isn't bad. Yeah, soda. Oh. Soda ain't too bad. <laughs> So, yeah. anyway, like they were saying, hello and welcome. Uh, we've got a fun episode for you this week. We're going to be talking about Daredevil, so stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, solid season. But we will we will be talking about that for our meat of the episode. But uh, as per usual, we're going to move to our first segment, and that is where we dive into the news of the week a little bit. Now, to be honest, this week I did not find a ton going on. There was the was yeah, love. there was the release of Red Dead Redemption and people were geeking hard for that. I haven't I haven't gotten my hands yeah, on it yet, might. but I know that it's gonna be I did boot
0: it up this week. Yeah. So uh I didn't do much with it. It is a dense, dense experience, yeah. it looks like. So yeah. I um I'm like I need to I need a weekend. Where I'm not doing a bunch of stuff to just kinda like sit down and like disappear into that world, I think, to get into it. So I'm I'm kinda holding off doing anything intense with it right now.
2: I think I'm gonna tackle it during my two weeks off at Christmas. Or mm. um is the holidays.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's probably like next time I'm unemployed or I have a stretch off, I will probably spend a lot of time with it. But yeah. it is definitely it looks like fun.
1: And I it love takes it. Take some time to get into. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: it's also a two hundred hour game from the from all telling so far. So Oof, fuck that yeah i'm like this is gonna be uh this is gonna be a slog yeah so, well maybe not a slog hopefully it'll be fun but like right now it's
2: like breath of the wild
0: yeah it is it's huge but i'm just i'm very excited for it i just need to like not play castlevania for 10 minutes i think is what i need to do so there's that
1: i have been seeing like a lot of videos like little clips and stuff of it uh getting shared around where like people are like hey look i stalked like the best horse in the game for like two hours and then a moose just comes and fucking plows right into them and they die yeah Yeah, I've been seeing cool shit like that too. And I'm like, I got to stop looking
0: at this stuff because it's going to spoil my experience because I want weird random moose attacks to affect my experience as
1: well. As a Canadian boy, I'm like, this is amazing. I'm going to get fucking moose assaulted. <laughs> the same thing happened to like a an NPC, like somebody was riding up, and like an NPC started like trying to give them a side quest. And while the NPC was trying to get out their dialogue, it just got fucking wrecked by a deer that ran it over or some shit. I love I, this is
0: why yeah. I love Rockstar because they just they'll put random weird <laughs> interactions in games. That they're you can like, see.
2: yeah, they're, they're so, delightfully weird.
0: Yeah, del- it, that's a, the best way to describe Rockstar games is just delightfully weird. Is that's a really yeah. good way to describe it? Yeah.
2: But yeah, so there was that. Once we should all play it, we should do probably a review of it. Tim, you'll have to play it.
1: I'm not playing a two hundred hour game. <laughs> no, that just I have
2: try no, it.
1: No investment in whatsoever. I'm not spend I don't have any fucking platform I can play it on. That's well, true. Mark you can you buy these kids uh solve that somehow? Yeah.
2: No, I was gonna say do a bonus episode.
0: We can do a bonus episode. That too. That's <laughs> what I meant by solve it and we could do a bonus. Episode. It's like we we'll probably get you and Mark, like you and Mark and I, to do an episode, yeah, because he's yeah. going to play it. I'm sure.
2: Oh, he's going to play it. He's going to play a hard. Yeah, I think we're going to have to get two copies because we'll both want to play it on our yeah. screens.
0: Yeah, I got it. I got it digitally already, so I'm good to go. Of course. Yeah.
2: So the some of the news that I found though was that Birds of Prey, the the movie Birds of Prey uh, about them, is uh, going to have Ewan McGregor cast as Black Mask.
1: I'm fucking there
0: for that. That sounds awesome. This is made me make a new decision. I don't want an extended DC universe anymore. I want an extended Bat universe. Batman universe. You want a Bat family? Yeah, that's all I want them to do. Fuck all this other stuff. Like, do a Superman movie. I want a Man of Steel too, really. But like if you have to recast Batman, fine. But like just make all these Batman things happen. Like Ewan McGregor's Black Mask. (laughs) I'd never in a million years thought I'd see them do Black Mask and give like an actor as big a name as Ewan McGregor that role. I'm so in for this. Like, this is amazing.
1: And he's a perfect villain for a birds of prey uh, movie as well. Cause he's like a street level villain, like not a super powerful villain or anything like that, but you know, sort of, I mean, kind of like Wilson Fisky like sort of King penny kind of villain. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think that, I think that could be really cool. I fucking love you. and McGregor. And it's good too. Cause that character has a misogynist streak,
0: like a mile long too, which mm-hmm. would make an interesting foil for the women in the birds of prey team, like on that team. True so it's going to be, like it's a, it's good writing slash casting and all that kind of stuff. So, and I'm stoked to see him McGregor in one of these movies and yeah. like probably overacting a whole bunch, it. but like just
1: enjoying the shit yeah. out of it. Yeah, oh yeah. Finally get him back into some genre shit.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's been a while. It has been a long time. I mean, he did Train Spotting too, not too long ago. Yeah, he did. That's that more indie than
2: too. genre.
1: Yeah. He was
2: in Beauty and the Beast and he yeah. was terrible. And then,
1: and then Christopher Robin. Oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot about that. He was curious, in Beauty and the Beast. just about that. Have you guys seen really. Christopher Robin? No, I felt like it would have just like been too emotionally manipulative.
2: That's what I thought, too. We talked about this, remember? Yeah. We were like, it's just going to wreck us, and yeah. why would you go into a film where you're just going to feel wrecked?
0: Yeah. Well, I just assumed you guys as Disney people would have like dove into it eventually,
1: even because it's available online now. I, I probably think, will you know, eventually, like maybe when I go home for Christmas or something, like my sister will make me watch it or something like that. I don't know. So, yeah. You know, that, that's how I ended up wa- finally watching uh, Saving Mr. Banks was I went home and my parents had it. It was like, well, I'm here. I might as well watch it. And it was lovely. I'm never going to watch it. That's why I was like waiting to hear what you guys <laughs> thought. So,
2: But just speaking to Birds of Prey 2, I know, th- I think it's already been announced that we have Helena um, Helena Burton Burtonelli. Who's gonna play Huntress? Yeah. And I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I'm on board. And um
0: I think it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead is going to play Helena Bertoleni, who's that's the character. Name. Yeah. That's sorry, that's what, what I
2: meant. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, you just made it sound like the character name was the actress playing. So I don't know, it's it was confusing. It's okay. Sorry,
2: no, I meant that the character Helena Bertinelli is going to be played by Mary Elizabeth right. yeah. Winstead. And then Black Canary is going to be played by Journey Smollett-Bell. I don't know who that no, is. No, we...
0: Uh, is this the one where they... We talked about this and she's, like, racially divergent from her.
1: like, yeah, like mi- mixed race or something yeah. like that or uh, or at least non-white for sure. And, yeah, I think... Uh, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm totally I interested. Yeah. Like, uh, Birds
0: of Prey is a book that I like a lot. So, it, it that movie is... Yeah. I'm looking forward to it.
2: I think you guys already talked about this, that the uh, screenwriter for Birds of Prey is also writing a Batgirl movie.
1: Yeah. Oh, is it yeah. the same one that they brought in to replace Joss Whedon? Yes. Apparently.
2: Yeah. So Barbara Gordon or Cassandra Kane version of the character, and Birds of Prey will be in theaters February seventh, twenty twenty. So you still got some time, but yeah, there's some cool announcements. Now, after that, I was looking at Bohemian Rhapsody did come out a few days ago to middling reviews, but people have been saying that it's an Oscar-worthy performance by Rami Malek. In a middling at best plot-driven d- film, that's PG thirteen, which is the uh, wrong way to be showing yeah. the story of Queen.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I'm probably not going to go see it in theaters.
2: No, I don't think so. I mean, I'll I... watch
1: it when it comes yeah. down. Like I, I yeah. watch everything
0: when it comes down. But yeah, I, I wasn't really planning on going to see it in theaters anyway. Are they not? I heard they're not allowed to use any of the music as well. So I don't know if the, oh. the Queen music's in
2: there. So. <laughs> Well, oh, it's, all
0: re- it's all re-recorded stuff or something like that? Yeah, it's like, like that, when or... he did the... Uh, what's his name? Uh, did that Jimi Hendrix movie a couple years ago? Uh, mm. Yeah, and
2: like they couldn't yeah, right. music. Yeah. Well, you guys remember what happened. It, originally, Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to play Freddie uh-huh. and tell the true gritty story of Freddie Mercury because he yeah. was queen. Not to... Di- you know, the band was no. still Prime very... Yeah, they were still like a really intense... Journey altogether, but it was about Freddie's story because he was the most compelling character.
1: Freddie was the persona of yeah, Queen. Oh, yeah, that's right? a good Even way of putting Brian it. That's May a good way. He contributed a lot in terms of you know, musical style and yeah. musical talent. And that sort of thing. And that's a good way of putting it.
2: But I think that's why it's kind of upsetting because you see these things about Elton John's biopic coming out, and Elton John is like, "No, do it. Tell the whole dark, crusty version of my life. Like, I want it to be real and gross and like everything that it was." And you're kind of like, "Yeah, okay, I'm down for that because it feels more real. It feels like you do justice to the story instead of this like candy coated version of a you know of Queen that was about this." really, like, beautiful, troubled artist. Like, ugh, I don't know. So. There's we'll probably see. a
0: uh, book, like, a biography of him that would be a more compelling uh, yeah. narrative about his life than the movie will end up being. But that's, you know, mm-hmm. depending on how you want to consume your media, I guess. If, like, you don't mind reading a book, like, that's uh, that would be my preferred way of doing it if the movie's not going to hold true or whatever. So Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I I'm interested, like, maybe one day we can do a brief, like, what do you think of this? If we watch it, but it's not on my radar right now. A lot of people on Facebook are like, oh my God, it's so good. But the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes was like 96 and it got a 60 from the critics. So
0: I'd be really curious if somebody would sit down and like do an analysis as to why like critical reviews versus audience reviews lately have been so disparate. Because it's been
1: because a lot of audiences are fucking stupid and uh, that's and and will eat up whatever fucking drivel you know they're so fed. So funny!
2: I had this conversation with my Mark moments <laughs> before we started the podcast, and he went to work where I believe that the highbrow stuff is not pandering, whereas the stuff that the audience score is huge. And the critics is lower is because it's entertaining, like an audience goes into a film to be entertained, whereas a critic goes in critically. And so I think the disparity comes from the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody is probably very entertaining. Venom for a general audience, very entertaining. Like Venom was another one that had this mm. like Ugh. I know, but yeah,
0: I did I know that but it, yeah. I did have the the same disparity but yeah.
2: critically. Yeah. You can watch it and say, well, this and this and this and this and this are done poorly. You sacrificed the yeah. audience score.
1: The script is a pile of steaming yeah, but shit. the
2: audience, the generalized <laughs> audience, is entertained. Which, at its core, a movie like Venom, that's what it's meant to do. But when you have something like Bohemian Rhapsody, where the critics are like, meh, and the audience like, yeah! You're kind of like, well, it should be on the same level. This should have been a film that pleased critics and audiences alike.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, because Queen are considered such a you know pinnacle of artistry sort of thing, you would assume that if you made a movie about them, that it should also hit that same level you of assume. artistry. Or you would hope, anyways. Yeah. You would hope.
2: <laughs> but yeah. But to move on just quickly, uh, I don't know if you guys have read about this yet, but Avatar has... Launched its <laughs> titles for the next four movies. James Cameron is filming four back-to-back epics. This is like Lord of the Rings style filmmaking for Avatar. I think the
0: first two are already in the can. Yeah. <sighs> I've heard, I've heard he's reshooting big, big, chunks of them too. I don't know, like that. The Avatar movies have been this like weird.
2: It's weird,
0: like narrative, like in the background of Hollywood yeah. for the past decade or okay. so. Like since that movie came out. Well, they've been talking about the sequels, right? Like for since the original came. Out. When did the original come out? Two thousand eight, nine? It's
2: something like that. Two thousand seven. Yeah, it's uh, oh, okay. Over ten years ago.
0: I've never seen the movie, so like I don't really know. He
2: was even talking about it. He was talking about it just after he'd released Titanic. He was like, "My next big epic will be Avatar," and then it came out, and everyone was like, "Yeah, I mean, it's cool. we well, gonna make."
0: It made a, a shit ton board. of money. He did make a lot of money.
2: But anyway, they have their titles. And it's Avatar, the Way of Water, Avatar, the Seed Bearer, <laughs> Avatar, yeah, Avatar, the Tolkien Rider, and Avatar, the Quest for uh, Aewa. Ewa. ewa Oh, the Seed Bearer.
1: Yeah,
0: it's bearer. a gross title. A, that sounds like the most <laughs> generic fantasy
1: bullshit I've ever it sounds heard. Sounds like, like it's pandering
2: like- to people who like furries
1: oh god i didn't even yeah i mean there's that absolutely these fucking things are just going to be all style and no substance and there's something to be said for that again it's a you know matter of going in and wanting to be entertained like i give very few shits about the avatar world i still really want to fucking see the pandora world at animal kingdom because i've heard amazing things about just like how good it looks sort of thing
2: how is it still relevant enough though to have its own world at disney
1: because none of us grew up on this shit. Keep in mind, there's a whole generation now where, like, Avatar was one of the biggest movies of their childhood. Mm, like, Avatar is the goonies of a generation, type of oh, thing. Right. Right? I, I weep for the youth of today. <laughs> well, let me... <laughs> like, it's it's Here. the same people that fucking put Shrek up on this oh, crazy Shrek. pedestal, which I don't fucking get. Oh, but it's same people that are, like, you know, they were, like, in their, you know, they were, like, 10 years old when Avatar came out, and now they're, like, hitting 20 or something like that and now they're like fuck yeah i want more of these fucking movies that go right back to my childhood and i want to go visit this world in person i I mean that makes sense
0: but to me but at the same time i'm just like it feels like i remember reading an article on like io9 or something like that about how avatar left no cultural footprint behind and i was like i agree with that completely like it's not Yeah, Like, remember the stuff, like, Goonies is a good example, where, like, that left a cultural impact, where, like, we still talk about it today, like, and we people still show their kids that movie today. I don't feel like Avatar is the kind of thing that, like, people will do that with. I may be wrong, because I'm just not- Just because you haven't
1: seen the sequels yet, Mark.
0: Well, I also haven't seen the original, so I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, to be perfectly
1: honest.
2: (laughs) Well, let me read you this. Let me read you this. We already know that the first sequel will take us under the sea of Pandora, so it makes sense the next one is going to be called The Way of Water, and Cameron- Shocking. I know James
0: Cameron going underwater holy Cameron, fuck Cameron
2: <laughs> who loves anything to do with deep sea exploration is reportedly pioneering a new form of underwater performance capture technology for the film Oh my god Um He told Collider that what he's doing has never been done before. And the problem with water is not the underwater part, but the interface between the air and the water, which forms a moving mirror. That moving mirror reflects all the dots and markers, and it creates a bunch of false markers. It's a little bit like a fighter plane dumping a bunch of chaff to confuse the radar system of a missile. Mm -hmm. And then he says... We also know there's a lot of much younger actors join, joining Zoe Saldana and Sam Worthington in the cast list, suggesting that the film might follow Neytiri and Jake's children over a longer period of time. So does that suggest a plot for *Seedbearer*? And Tolkien's haven't been mentioned before in the Avatar universe, but Yua is basically the film's version of the Force, the all-seeing, all-knowing spirit, a uh, power of the Navi. So, last week, Sigourney Weaver, who returned as Dr. Grace Augustine, told The Hollywood Reporter that we just finished shooting 2 and 3, and that she was about to start being busy doing Avatar 4 and 5. So, the release dates have already shifted a lot, but the four films are currently pledged for December 2020, December 21, 2021, December 2024, and December 2025.
0: Now, I'm disappointed that Disney has stopped making annual Star Wars movies like this, Yeah.
1: that. <laughs> If this is why yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's what this news makes me. It's like I'd rather watch like a mediocre Star Wars movie than any of these Avatar
2: movies. I don't know. I'm I'm on board to see what the next one is, just to like experience the majesty that James Cameron always promises. And I'm like, all right, all right, you know, show me show me what you got, James Cameron.
0: But maybe I should see maybe I should watch the original at some point.
2: Yeah, I would watch it a bit stoned and you know, all the lights off and just really get wow. some like power sound going and you might enjoy it.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those ones that deserves to be seen, like, you know, with fucking good quality sound, yeah. you know, big TV, mm-hmm. HD, everything. It's like the
2: opening to Top Gun.
1: Yeah, fair. I mean, there's a reason why I spend all that money on that surround
0: sound system that's downstairs, so I guess... <laughs> yeah, to watch Avatar, yeah. right? Yeah, that's exactly why. It's not, you know, <laughs> so that I could rewatch the Marvel movies a million times in nah. surround sound. No. <laughs>
2: but yeah, so I, I would recommend you watch it, Mark. I think you'd actually... I think you would find it intriguing, at least.
0: We'll see. I'll, I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a spin. I'll see if I can watch it in 3D, like it's supposed to be watched, and all that good stuff. So mm. I got the the TV and the what do you call it, the glasses for it. I think I should be able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. We'll see.
2: But anyway, so uh, that is about all the news that I could find this week. Um,
1: the big one that I. I saw oh, is, is sort of a report say thing, but it's the Winter Soldier and Falcon potential team up series. Right, forgotten I
2: forgot about that. that. And I also have one more thing when you're done, Tim, because I totally forgot.
1: Well, it's just I mean, that was pretty much it is there's not much information on it. It's one of like it's not been officially announced or anything like that, but it's, they apparently have there's talk about a Marvel like limited series like a mini series or something like that that would focus on Bucky and on uh Falcon. On Falcon, which I mean, they already have a pretty good back and forth in movies, being you know Cap's two sidekick kind of characters. So I think that that could be fun. Yeah, it would end up being like a buddy cop kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I wonder if this will be a prequel to like what happens in Avengers Four, or like will be pre that because I assume maybe one of those guys is going to end up with the shield after Avengers
1: Four. Yeah, yeah, this could be like well, or it could, or it could come after Infinity War if cap does fucking bite it in the well, end that's what i mean like after avengers. after avengers
0: 4 like after whatever oh, i thought
1: you said i thought you said prequel well so i assume
0: the seek the series is a prequel or like something like that so that they're not one of them isn't cap i assume one of them becomes cap after
1: avengers 4
2: yeah i'm, I'm assuming yeah one of them
1: takes up that mantle
0: but,
2: so
1: but maybe maybe we get avengers 4 cap dies and then and then we get this mini series that's like battle for the shield or like who's worthy of the shield or something like that
0: that was my other assumption is either they're going to do it's like they're going to do a prequel where they just buddy cop them together before either them were even like like cap's dead or it's going to be like right after cap dies and it's the two of them kind of fighting it out to see who gets to pick up the shield either way i'm in
1: because like when bruce wayne died in the comics and they did the whole battle for the cattle series Mm -hmm. yep i'm in sounds exciting to me Although with all these
0: shows getting like at least rumored, it's kind of easy to see why Netflix is trying to pull out of the Marvel game like this, like mm-hmm. this makes a lot more sense. I don't know. Until you watch Daredevil season three. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> we'll get there. But business wise, like if they're doing all this stuff for Disney stream, yeah, yeah. it's supposed to start next year. I could see Netflix being like, fuck that. I don't want any of their marketing on our platform. Let's start like playing these. Yeah. On a lot." Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Fair enough.
2: Well, the last thing that I will say, and then I'll let Tim finish with his news, was that we did get our first fucking view of Gerald oh, as yeah. Witcher <laughs> Frick. I'm s- oh. Henry Caville. Your- oh, I'm. Um, oh. The comments at least had me vindicated.
1: And Christie's. <laughs> Christie's Mark had the foresight to share this to Christie in a group chat with Mark uh, and I as well, uh, so we got to see the whole thing. I'm down.
2: so mad that wig was <laughs> fucking terrible. I'm so mad. I'm so mad.
0: While Christie's having her break, that I will admit, like having seen a little bit of the Witcher game, and then like. Seeing him walk towards the camera, looking like Christopher Lambert playing stupid. Raiden in Mortal Combat, I was like,
1: "That looks really bad." Like, stupid. That really does not look great. They... I've seen split reactions. I've seen some people that are like, "No, this is wrong," and other people that are like, "Super fucking thirsty I for knew. it." Yeah, but they're thirsty because they're thirsty yeah, for Henry Cavill. They're not really thirsty for like, yeah, they're they're thirsty for like, you know, grungy, sort of grungy fantasy Henry Cavill. Henry, Cav- mm-hmm. let me just say
2: this. Let me just say this. Henry Cavill. He's a perfectly fine actor. He's a perfectly fine actor. He, he's a great Superman. I thought he was fine. He, he's fine. He's not Gerald of Rivia. No, he's, he's just too pretty. He's not right. He's not right. He's not right. And we saw by the screen capture, it was just wrong. It's just wrong. Just because he wants to play the part doesn't mean he's right for the part. I, I'm just... I'm furious. You know what else makes me furious? You know what else makes me furious? Hugh Jackman saying that he doesn't <gasps> talk politics with friends of Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner. I was just like, why must my heart break twice in Twain this week? Why, uh, why, why, why would these, why, 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 <laughs> like why, Hugh? why are you doing this to me? And is, it just hurts <laughs> so bad because I look at Henry Cavill or Cavill, whatever his fucking last name is. And I'm, I'm like, why would you do that to me with Geralt? Like, it's Cavill. Cavill, fuck it. And like, <sighs> I care. and like, look at him up like, oh no. And then this happens and I'm like, Ugh, why would you do that Wolverine? Uh, why'd you do that to me? Why'd you do that to my heart? I trusted you with my, with my affection for the last like 15 years of my life. And then you say that shit. Like, get out of here. Get out of here.
1: Well, folks, that's the episode for this week. Well, that's no, um, Dance Robot here. Dance for uh this week.
0: Uh, this is episode 119. We're available yeah, on, um, on Google Play Store Just on uh, places places somewhere. somewhere. I don't know where it is. I don't know what's going <laughs> on. Um <laughs> Facebook.com slash uh what is it, Dance Robot Dance Podcast? I'm not
1: Yeah, yeah. Is she back? You, 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 you weren't supposed to host this week. No, she's fucking gone. No, she oh Christie's Rage, rage has arrested the podcast. Yeah, Christy's was Rage was back is back like, now. Broke the internet.
2: I broke the internet. Oh, I was so furious. Christie's
1: rage <laughs> broke our recording. I think it yeah. set
2: my upstairs neighbor away too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she Amazing. thought, thinks that you're like going fucking postal down there. She's right. like, I think I'd better leave.
2: I'm just, I'm. Mm.
1: So I think what Christy's saying is that she's reserving judgment. <laughs> for <now. laughs> <laughs> That's about right. I can. Oh. I can <laughs> oh. <laughs> is that she's gonna wait? until she can see the actual show and see the actual performance and then judge it that way. dare point.
2: you even to subject me to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, oh.
0: I think we should watch <laughs> this show, actually. Like yeah. It out.
1: So there is one other thing Christy is super, uh, well, super excited about the original version of, and I want to know what she thinks about the adaptation. Christy, did you see the first looks at the American version of what we do in the shadows? The Netflix show? What? Yeah, so that those came out this week. There's like what? three little short like 15, 20 second clips that uh, got released. Oh, no, sorry, it's not Netflix, it's uh, FX. What? Oh, I'm not crazy about them. They look weird. Let me
2: look it up. I'm, why would they do that? It's, what? Why would they do that?
1: <laughs> the only thing that I'm pretty pumped about is Matt Berry, who played the grifting teacher on Community. Is one of the vampires? You guys oh, remember oh, that uh, yeah. that that community episode, which yeah. is a fucking solid episode. I think he will probably be really good, but he's not in the those little first looks very much.
2: Why do they keep messing with stuff that's still relevant and good? Oh no! Oh yeah, no! I, oh no! That so at first
1: at first look, I was like, wait a minute, is that David Boreanaz? But it's not. Oh, it's a appears looks to be like an Indian American vampire named Nandor played by Kayvon Novak.
2: I'm looking at the trailer.
1: Like it it looks like they're not doing a straight up, you know, like copy, like they are sort of just doing it like here is what it would be like for vampires. I think they're in New York in uh in New York City.
2: Like I uh, I get what they're doing oh, but Doug it's
1: Doug Jones is apparently in it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that.
2: Why would they reboot it already?
1: Well, it's not a reboot necessarily as much as and just an like it's like you know the U K office versus the U S yeah. version of the office. That's and as long as they do like the the U S office ended up working for as long as it did because they didn't they they went off and did their own thing they didn't just stick to the story and the sort of vibe of the U K version like they did for the first season or first couple episodes but then they started going away from it so yeah. if they can. Make their own identity that's separate from the varied New Zealand. What we do in the shadows, then I it could work, but we'll see.
2: Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, now I want to find more stuff that Christy won't be excited about. No,
2: <laughs>
1: that was pretty much everything that I had, though.
2: All right, Mark, do you have anything? No,
1: I'm good. <laughs> I'm
2: <sorry. laughs> okay, gotta finish the episode now. I did not. Use my energy well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Christy's spent. So I'm spent. Why don't we just do our geek of the week
0: Week of the
2: We're going to do Geek of the Week. This is our segment in the episode where we talk about the geekiest things we did this week. So we are just going to start this run. In Mark, you've been kind of quiet the last few minutes. Why don't you tell us the geekiest thing you did this week?
0: Well, I think the geekiest thing I did this week we talked about at the beginning of the episode where I had a rage moment because they were mispronouncing it.
2: <laughs> That's very true. 30-year-old,
0: 40-year-old novel. But while I was doing that, I guess like I've been kind of clearing out my Castlevania Requiem play just because, I don't know. It's, like, comfort food for me, I guess. And I'm mm-hmm. playing through Symphony of the Night for, like, the fourth time this week. So, good times. Good times. But I've been spending some time with, like... <clears throat> I actually went back and played the other game that was included, which is Rondo of Blood, which has never been... Well, it's been properly released in North America once, but only for PSP. So, it's the first time I got the chance to play the original TurboGrafx or uh PC Engine version of it mm-hmm. uh, on a console. And it's... uh it's harder than Symphony of the Night. Like, it's an old school Castlevania game. Like, it plays more like the original NES games. Fuck, those um, are hard. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. So it's not as hard as those. Like, it still has, like, a 16-bit kind of, like, ease to it. But it is a little bit more challenging. Symphony of the Night's very, like, about a tenth of the way through that game. I can be so powerful if I want to be. Like, nothing can touch me anymore. Like, that's how broken that game Yeah. to be. So Rondo is not like that. It's a little bit more of like an old school, like you have to get through eight levels and like it's it might be a slog in spots um, kind of thing. But it's been fun just to kind of get the chance to go back and play what is essentially a lost chapter in Castlevania's lore to most of North, most North American players. So yeah, that's what I've been doing this week is going back through Symphony. And when I get bored of that, going over and trying to clear out some of Rondo.
1: So. What system was Rondo originally released for? Remember the TurboGrafx-16? Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: Okay, yeah. so in Japan, the TurboGrafx-16 was a system called the PC Engine. Mm. Um, it was released for the TurboGrafx-16, like the, the PC Engine CD-ROM attachment, which okay. was the Turbo Duo, I believe, up here, or the TurboGrafx-CD, whatever. I can't remember what it was. So it was only released for a CD attachment of an already obscure console. I just <laughs> never made it over here. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's always been kind of like the lost game, like, and especially now because Symphony actually... Is the direct sequel to it, and you the opening of Symphony of the Night is the last Dracula battle in Rondo of Blood, okay. so like they tie directly to each other. This it's the same Belmont in both games that kind of plays through and whatever. So like it is interesting to like see like actually like what the plot of Rondo is in detail before going into Symphony of the Night because they give you kind of like the Cole's like the Nose, Nose versions version kind of thing in Symphony. So it's kind of cool to see it kind of blown out and writ large. So it's neat. I'm having a good time with it. It's nice to go back to those old sixteen bit like big beautiful sprites and stuff like that when you've been playing something like Spider Man or Red Dead and it's all yeah. 3D hyper detailed nonsense for as far as the eye can see for hours. So
1: Christy, does your mark have a lot of those like super obscure consoles or is he just like a main console guy? He has Rondo of Blood and he has a PC engine with a CD attachment.
0: I've held both of them in <laughs> his house while I was there. So yes.
2: Uh yeah um <laughs> uh, answered the question
0: yeah because yeah, he had that and i was like i was almost thinking because i know he has a saturn with the saturn version of symphony of the night and if that's a version i've only played on an emulator once and i was like do i beg mark to lend me a saturn for like a week so that i can play through symphony of the night shitty saturn version probably do it <laughs> he probably would i'll just i'll talk to him at some point when i'm actually in the mood to play through the garbagey S- saturn version of symphony of the night again because it's a really bad port
2: so there's that mm. Yeah, no some things you just don't work on a like an emulator kind of system.
0: Well, it ran okay on the emulator. It's just the game's so broken anyway that like any jank from the uh, the original release kind of breaks the emu cuz Saturn emulation is not uh, exact science and nobody really cares enough to make it work properly, True. so It's kind of a weird situation where, like, it's a game that you can play basically anywhere. But I'm like, I really want to play this one specific version because it has two areas in it that are not available anywhere else that are shit. But, like, it's a curiosity more than anything. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, like, I've ripped through it once and I'm like, yeah, it sucked. But, yeah, it's two new two new areas that I don't get to play through every other time I play through it. So it's a curiosity that always kind of sits in my brain while I'm playing the game. Like, oh, there's two areas that I can't get to in this version. I should grab a Saturn version. But. That's a real fucking big ask to go grab a Saturn and then get the Saturn version of the game. Because, again, only released in Japan, the Saturn version of Symphony of the Night. So,
2: Well, ask them. I mean, there's no harm in asking.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I'm not just I'm just rambling about how weird that game is. is. Like that release of that game. Yeah.
2: But uh, okay, well, let's uh, let's move to Tim. Tim, what was your geek of the week?
1: See, I rounded out my sort of. Spoopy Halloween celebrations by uh, doing one more haunted house, which is n- normally the only one that we well, the only one we've been doing in recent years is Netherworld, which I know I've discussed on the podcast before. But we went to do this one that's down in Noonan, which is actually where Walking Dead is filmed or where a lot of it is filmed cool. in that area, which is sort of southwest of Atlanta. And there's a haunted house down there called Thirteen Stories, and their main house has a pink trap house haunted house within it sort of thing. And that was kind of interesting. Like it was like they were playing trap music through the whole house. So you'd be walking through and it was kind of a very Atlanta haunted house uh, in this like old uh, abandoned warehouse that already, like I'm pretty sure the mold and musty smell was like part of legit the, Yeah, it was legit. <laughs> they didn't have to fake it. So it was an interesting experience. And it was really like a lot of the time, Haunted houses are, you know, pretty like cramped and you're going through like pretty narrow corridors and that's, uh, but this was, there were a lot more wide open spaces you'd walk into, which is weird because you kind of, it would be harder for you to tell where the scares were coming from. Um, There's some stuff that was kind of janky with it, but it was interesting just to see something new a new haunted like there's only you know one time that you can go through on a house you've never been through before right and not know where anything's coming from not know how long it is not know what's coming next that kind of Mm -hmm. thing so yeah
2: oh that's rad i'm glad that it was like entertaining and everything that you hoped it would be
1: yeah, I, I don't know if I would necessarily, if it's one that I would go back year after year, but I'm glad that we went and did it once. Yeah.
2: No, I find that like sometimes that thing that kind of stuff, you enjoy it and you can enjoy it for exactly what it is the one time and you don't need to go back again yeah. to kind of be disappointed that it either hasn't changed or it doesn't live up to that expectation again.
1: Yeah, I think like if we were going to be living in Atlanta for another like, three or four years or something like that. I might go back, you know, in a few years to see how it's sort of matured and evolved over time, but I don't think it's sort of one where I feel
2: like I need to yeah. go every year. Well, cool. Thank you for sharing. I was gonna say for my geek of the week it was pretty simple. I've been re-listening to as is my fall tradition, um I've been listening to The Name of the Wind and the Wise Man's Sphere again. And every time I Wait, listen I don't know
1: what what's the name of that series though? F-off, I can't remember. F off.
2: F off. <laughs> F off. Um, so the King Killer Chronicles, fuck you. And um, I uh, every time I listen, I hear something new and I have a new idea. So this week I just went on like a hardcore discovery of different theories that have been floating around the internet. And the King Killer Reddit is pretty active, so l- reading just a ton of different fan theories and ideas about what the next book is going to be, even though it doesn't have a date yet. They're speculating 2019, but they've been speculating every year for the last like six years. And Patrick Rothfuss is, you know, twiddling away, making a good book. Yeah, so I watched uh, just a ton of YouTube videos about it too, and like started listening to The Slow Regard of Silent Things, which is also a book from Ari's perspective, which is a really cool character. So, yeah, it's just been a very king killery sort of couple weeks for me. I love
1: it. Just been killing kings everywhere?
2: Not yet. Not till book three.
1: It's fine. I get the name of the series sort of gives something away, does it not?
2: Yeah, so does the first chapter where he tells you literally everything that happens of significance in the book.
1: <laughs> but you All don't right. know
2: how they get there.
1: Okay, that's actually that is kind of going to be what I'm going to talk about in my geek cred later. So.
2: Oh, there you it go.
1: Is similar to that.
2: But uh, yeah, so that's my Geek of the Week. And uh, with that being done, I think it's about time that we move on to the reach of the episode.
1: Guilty Catholic meat.
2: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Guilty Catholic <laughs> Well, everybody, like we said at the beginning of the episode, we are going to be talking about Daredevil this week. I didn't send the guys any questions because I kind of just want to have an open discussion about our thoughts on the uh, um, overall season. We already started to have a bit of an argument on um, in our messenger, so we decided to save it for the episode. But I have some... I have some differing viewpoints on the season than the guys do about certain characters. Just on arcs, one character. <laughs> on certain arcs. <laughs> overall, uh, why don't we start with Mark? Mark, tell us your overall impressions. I feel like you hated this season so much. Like, it was the Fucking bane trash. of... Absolutely. Yeah, You, it was a trash like, pile for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Hey, we missed that uh, Penny Dreadful is coming back. Oh, is
2: it?
1: I did
0: see that, but I never watched Penny Dreadful, so yeah, I don't I didn't have either. much
1: investment in it.
2: But yeah,
0: they're I like... Uh, what's her name, Eva Green, so I will watch anything she's in. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I enjoyed it up till the wow. end. The end sucked. Anyway, Daredevil, Um, Yeah, I hated this. This is the worst fucking season of any of these shows uh, by a country <laughs> mile. I've, I've never been so disappointed personally by a television show in the history of the medium actually. Well, that's it for Dance Robot Dance this week, yeah, everybody.
2: Thanks very much for watching. So so, uh,
0: we've, uh, we've had two false ends to the episode this week. <laughs> no, this is, I mean, we we've talked about it kind of like veiled because Christy wasn't caught up yet. But yeah, this is amazing. Like, I loved the shit out of this season. I have watched it twice and enjoyed it just as much the second time through as I did the first time. So yeah, this is basically like my default season of Daredevil now because hot damn is it ever good. Mm-hmm. Really, even more than the first season. Yeah, the first season, I feel like because they're doing so much world building, there's so much like, oh, we have to explain why this is happening and how we got yeah. powers and this that, and the other thing. Whereas this kind of is just like, into
1: hey, into the character work and that kind of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, because like, this is where like, hey, you know who Daredevil is, you know what his powers are. We're going to give you his arguably best villain and we're going to bring back the most popular villain from the earlier seasons and we're going to mix it all up and we're going to make his life miserable for 13 episodes. Have fun. I was like, yep, I'm in solid. Let's do this thing. Yeah. And they fucking crushed it as far as I'm concerned. So.
2: Yeah. All right. Tim, what are your overall thoughts?
1: I was also super happy with it. It was fucking awesome to see Matt just be like completely shattered and having to rebuild himself like first the devil and then Matthew Murdoch. It was awesome to see him like rebuilding those relationships that were broken the last season and broken during Defenders. It's exactly the kind of comic story I like. It was really focused on personal relationships, moral conflicts, overcoming diversity or adversity, not diversity fuck. <laughs> uh, and uh, and the performances overall, I was super happy with. Uh, most of them were exceptional. Everyone was at least serviceable. There wasn't like a single weak performance for me, so very few low points. Overall, I was really happy with it.
2: Yeah, I I enjoyed the season. It was my favorite Of the Defenders seasons that I've seen yet. Second only probably to Jessica Jones season one. Mm, No, better than that. That's your opinion. (laughs) You're entitled to your opinion. Does not mean that it changes mine, sir. (laughs) Because I thought that, yeah, I thought performances were all really serviceable. I enjoyed Vincent D'Onofrio's portrayal of Kingpin very much, but found that it started Mm. to fall off a little bit at the end.
0: Really? I didn't think his like performance yeah. fell off so much. It's just like the plot around pin yeah. got like a little bit too unbelievable for yes. like even comic booky on reality, I was like, okay, this is too much. Like he's yeah. too ahead of the game to be yeah.
2: unbelievable
1: yeah. to me. Supernaturally or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were some and that was part of some of the smaller issues that I, I have with the season, which is why with Jessica Jones, I thought it was a bit tighter of a plot throughout because there, it was a little bit more believable because you had that supernatural element that kind of lent itself to Kilgrave, Whereas in this Kingpin is this monstrous mob mogul who is, that was a great alliteration, um, who is brilliant. But when we get to these final two episodes, I just found him to be too unbelievably connected. Like, there was just so many things I was like, mm. and there was a lot of repetition of problems with him.
1: Is the, Are we still on general impressions?
2: <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> but yeah, no, generally, though. I mean, though, if we're going to
1: grape, we yeah, can yeah, gripe. <laughs> no.
2: Generally, I thought it was definitely one of the strongest produced uh, series that Marvel has put out on Netflix in a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's my general impression. So, okay, let's um let's we'll move into gripes a little bit. Just like just overall gripes, like I was just talking about, just to get some of the, you know, bigger stuff out of the way before we get into character development and some of the nitty-gritty. So, Mark, do you have any
0: uh gripes? My I have a live two, and one of them is just like okay. my stock standard uh, gripe where like Karen's in mortal danger for like five episodes and nobody wants to call Frank who would probably deal with the fucking yeah. problem in about 30 seconds and some explosives, but um,
2: <laughs> yeah, why did no one call Punisher? Yeah.
0: Like you just call the Punisher. Like, if you, like, especially at that point, Matt's already made the decision. He has to kill Wilson Fisk. So you may as well just like call the guy who can do it as efficiently as possible and just get it done. Yeah. That's my one thing. Yeah. The other thing is like a symptom that these shows have been displaying even in their better seasons a lot, the last little while where like they introduce secondary FBI characters and you're supposed to treat them or like them as much as you like the mains that you've been living with for a season at the very minimum yeah. or probably like three seasons the, or four seasons, I guess really in the case of uh, the Daredevil cast, but they did the same thing in Punisher where they had like the FBI person, like that woman whose name I can't remember now uh, in it. And then now we've got Nadim in this one and I'm like, Oh, it's kind of like the same plot point. Uh, and they kind of do the same thing with the characters really too. Like where it's like, they're trying to fight the corruption inside their own unit or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm.
2: their own universe. Yeah. yeah.
0: We did exactly the same. We just did this plot in Punisher. And I was like, oh, that's weird that they would repeat that, even if it is like the easiest way to get the FBI involved and kind of neutered and taken out of the equation. So
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well what uh what about you, Tim? Overall gripes?
1: In terms of sort of sort of general gripes.
2: General gripes.
1: A lot of mine are, are very are very specific. I would say the only one that sort of recurs a few times throughout the season, there are a couple of the fight scenes and stunts and stuff that where some of the hits were pretty fucking yeah, fake pretty and, and really, t- and and in, it's particularly in some of those long sequences, which have become a hallmark of this series and the and, and to a lesser extent, the Marvel Netflix series as a whole, which are great when they're executed well. But if there is, you know, it comes at a price, right? It comes at a price of believability mm-hmm. in some ways, because, you know, when you do have a five minute fight, shot like single shot or something like that that involves 50 60 hits a couple of those are going to get flubbed and i'm it there were a few of those throughout the season that kind of took me out of it but that being said there were still some really great fight sequences that weren't those longer drawn out ones and this was something that i i, I re-watched this again you know in prep for the episode because the first time i'd watched it i was watching it like while i was working and wasn't paying really strict attention to it yeah. so in re-watching it and watching it more closely, I caught more of that the second time through. I catch
0: a lot you know, of that right. on
1: rewatches of all the
0: seasons. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. affect the way I view the show mm-hmm. that much. Like usually, especially in this season, we're like, I know you're talking about the the prison escape, which we'll probably get into in detail later. Cause there are a couple good whiffed hits in that sequence, yeah. especially in the beginning of that sequence. I'm like, I just kind of forgive it because it's, like, such an intense process, and they're probably on their fourth take, and they're probably all exhausted at yeah, that point, so I'm like, ah, that <laughs> yeah. sucks, but, like, there's a couple of the other hits that I'm, like, fucking, even, I know it's a stunt, and I know they're faking it, and I'm still, like,
1: ugh. Oh, yeah, like, when some of the shit. when fist like, slams Dex oh. into that wall in the last episode,
2: <laughs>
0: fuck
1: me, it just crushes his spine. As
0: yeah, somebody with lower back, like, trauma already, I was, like, I, yeah, my eyes, like, I, cinched up when he did that i was like in yeah. fucking agony for him because i was like oh god that mm-hmm. must hurt so fucking bad like so fucking bad yeah or it doesn't at all because he's completely fucking shattered his nervous True. system at that point too yeah that <laughs> yeah. he also but yeah there's a couple where like matt's getting in the face into a wall or stuff like that like you know it's fake but it looks and they like foliate it so well that it's like oh geez, yeah right yeah sounds awful so <laughs> yeah
1: and there was one where, where it looked like Matt was supposed to flip the guy forward, but in the but actually the momentum sort of ended up going the other way. Yeah. He fell backwards, and then Matt ended up just like, being like oh shit, uh, elbow him in the face yeah. instead. It was one of the guards, the prison guards, and I was like, okay, like... See, I, didn't, you know, I <laughs> didn't mind that because it kind of worked in like the panic. It worked for the panic mode that he was in at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I can could see, see him
0: look back and be like, oh shit, he didn't fall right, and then like yeah. and then he yeah. goes over to like I'm going to have to put a hit down on this guy, but he does a couple of drops yeah. where he lands people directly on their necks and heads and I was like, "Oh fuck." Yeah. How <laughs> First of all, how do you take that clean without hurting yourself? Second of all, yeah, it still looks like it hurts no matter what you do. So, yeah.
2: Also, I there were a couple of times when like Matt was just getting the shit kicked out of him so hard. The only time I saw him really struggling to keep going was during mm. the prison scene. <clears throat> I thought that, you know, he doesn't have superpowers. He has super mm. senses, but like any other person would considering the trauma his body has been through, there's no way this guy could have kept going over the like few days that he had been. Yeah. Like fighting, that's
1: just one of those. There's
2: just no. That's
1: just one of those suspension suspension of disbelief disbelief. sort of things. Like you're supposed to believe, like he's at pinnacle physical condition sort of thing.
0: With Daredevil specifically, you're supposed to believe, like his he's so angry and his will is pushing him through that, like his broken body, like he's ignoring it basically to just. It's the Batman syndrome. It is, yeah. And Daredevil's a character that is historically Marvel's Batman, and that he's the tortured vigilante of their line, kind of thing. So, like that is an aspect of the Batman character that does carry over to Daredevil pretty strongly.
1: Especially with, like, I can understand why you would feel that way, Christy, because you don't read as much in terms of superhero comics and stuff like that, whereas Mark and I are are deeper into that, so we're more willing to overlook it, because we understand that's just part of the genre. But I can understand why wider audiences would be like, yeah, this is not believable at all.
2: I think for me it was just a frustration, because we see superheroes, you know, I've watched so many superheroes, fight and feel like they've been through the same kind of trauma that, you know, Matt's gone through and they still struggle to stand. And so when I see a regular guy, you know, still moving and still being able to like stand, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, eh, (laughs) like Thor struggled with some of this stuff. I
0: mean, I see a lot of it. Like he sells really well, which is a wrestling thing, but like he, he makes himself look like he's fucking hurt all the time. Like even when he's walking around in scenes, He's carrying himself in a way where, like, oh, he looks like he's got broken ribs. Oh, he looked like he hurt his knee. Like- yeah, ginger.
1: Yeah. And yeah. He,
2: he yeah, like, his his walking and his gait are very good. But it's the five minutes later when he's walking fine that bothers me. Yeah. Or, like, he's back at the church and he's got scars. His wounds, like, there were a few times I showed him, but most of the time his wounds would have been open yeah. and, like, pussing and Bloody because of all the sweat and dirt that's getting inside. Because he's not wearing the suit anymore, he's just wearing the same black sweater with these old blood stains that are all over it. Mr. <laughs> Maguire, probably like,
0: cleaning that. This form. has been hand waved already, right? They talk about him using teaching him meditation techniques that speed up his healing process. It's a hand wave. Oh yeah, admit, oh. but they do mention
1: that in
0: season two or. Yeah, I think it's season two or Defenders. I can't remember which one, but it's in there when he's working with Stick. Yeah. Or they talk yeah. about him using meditation. Okay.
2: Yeah. I wish then they just, I wish they'd yeah, re- the reintroduce that idea.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I understand that. But like, I was like, I know they've talked about his healing, like his meditation, like the ninja training he has to like heal and stuff or something. So. Yeah. It's still, like, I totally agree. Like, it still kind of, like, takes you out of it, the fact, because he does, like, he takes a shit-kicking and keeps walking, yeah. and I'm like, oh. to me, that's superhero stuff, but I can see, I agree with Tim, like, I can see why, if you're a regular person watching him get punched in the face 48 times, and then get up <laughs> and keep walking, I'm like, that's a little I'm it's, good, I'm good, I got it, yeah, just walk it off.
2: Yeah, especially by <laughs> Kingpin, who's supposed to be all muscle, like, that guy is a beast and he punches the shit out of Matt yeah, like one we see hit him...
1: shatter your jaw kind of thing
2: yeah we see him two episodes earlier or even an episode earlier put a jacket around a guy's face punch him seven or eight times and his face is smashing and he's dead whereas Matt he punches like 10 times he hates this guy more than he hated this nobody in the car how is he not smashing in Matt's face yeah like there's little
1: I love those there's moments when when fisk loses his shit like that that oh. that moment when fisk like loses it on that dude in the car was was great yeah you can just see the fury like building up in him and then he just gets to release it all at once
2: also the face twitch that he introduced this season yeah I was into it <laughs> yeah I was down awesome but yeah okay so overall like I think that the small Things that you can be nitpicky about come from a place of being a fan of this stuff. So like you're watching and so you're going to see things that kind of make you go, Mleh. but at the same time, it wouldn't be uh, as good of a show if everything was perfectly realistic. Like if we had to watch Matt recover for an episode and a half after getting his ass kicked.
0: And we've done that a couple times. Well, there we've there done you do that a, a time few times. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: So, to me, it was just, uh, the only thing that really bothered me was I wish it had taken place over a longer period of time. Yeah. You know? Like, it was over, like, two, three weeks, Mm -hmm. but...
1: It felt like like, something like that, yeah. yeah. And, like, the last couple episodes were, like, two days or some shit.
2: a day. Like, the last,
1: like, three or four episodes were, like, over the course of a couple days.
2: I will say this. I forgot to say to things that I really liked. I loved the flashbacks. Like...
1: They did a really good job on the fly.
2: Karen's <laughs> episode came out of nowhere and I was just like, oh
0: yeah. Yeah. It was really good. I was like very happy with the fact they finally touched on her backstory and it was heartbreaking. Like, yeah, it was, it was pretty gut wrenching. So I was like, that's pretty cool. Like they did a good job with that and she killed it. Like I really, the Karen character has always been a little like hit or miss for me where like she does stupid, stupid things, stupid like, shit, stupid <laughs> shit. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, just listen to Matt. I get it, but like I just know. fucking listen to him.
2: <laughs> this season when she went and like tried to piss off Fisk. Yeah. It's like I was, you yeah. idiot. What
0: are you doing? <laughs> so like I kinda get that she's got like a death wish kind of thing going on. But I don't know. That episode was excellent. And Deborah Ann wolf was great this year. Like she's always been very good. I just feel like sometimes the material they give her to work with is like like we're trying really hard to put her in damsel d- in distress mode and mm-hmm. it kind of sucks when they do that, but Um, That episode was excellent, so I was pretty happy with that episode in particular and her performance the entire year. So,
1: I think, yeah, this was my favorite season for Karen. Like, her story arc was really good, really powerful. That is fucking how you do a flashback episode. Like, fuck Cray Cray, right in its stupid ass. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was garbage. This is how you fucking... I mean, it did... It took away from the pacing a little bit, but it was such a fucking compelling episode that I didn't care that I was like being taken out of the action for like forty minutes or yeah. something it's like almost that. half
0: an hour of uh, content where you're not even like remotely touching any of the main plot at that point until the end of the episode. Yeah. so yeah. I thought that was a little weird. that They just like cold opened into that and like just went for it. I was like, "Well, okay, I guess this is what we're doing this episode." And about ten minutes in, I was like, "Is this going to be the whole episode?" and then, I was kind of okay with it being the whole episode because I was enjoying the denouement of her story pre-New York. So I was like, I'm all right. It was pretty good. And the end was harrowing. Like that was very well put together. Like the boyfriend and her brother and all that kind of stuff. Like that car accident. I was like, this is like, they did a good job. It
2: was so upsetting.
1: And it it adds, it adds so much dimension to the character. And I'm really glad that they're not shying away from characters that just have shitty histories. Well, I mean, you know and like the it's i mean this is a fucking show all about redemption and this is karen is now her life in new york is her redemption for her uh, transgressions you know, in the past
2: yeah for,
1: yeah for Oof. for her teenage transgressions or whatever then
2: were there some transgressions <laughs> jesus yeah yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the 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 daredevil corner
0: of the marvel universe has never been the uh not the happy corner of the marvel universe yeah. no Fo-
1: foggy's the like little glowing beacon in that corner of the <laughs> Until universe he, gets cancer.
2: he is what <laughs>
1: It's a comic book thing. Don't worry about it.
2: Foggy gets cancer <laughs> and dies.
1: It doesn't
0: die, but it, oh. it goes on for a little while. So, you never know. You never know. You should read the Mark Wade run. It ha- uh, ha- started in two thousand fifteen. Excellent run. Excellent. Dare to
2: My look. heart hurts for Foggy at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I was not. As soon as they introduced the like that plot point in that run, I was like, "Ugh, you have to do this to Foggy. Like, just let Foggy alone, Mark Wade. God damn it!" But yeah, I will <laughs> say this: it was really good. Part?
2: So. I'm not a huge fan of the chemistry he and the on-screen Marcy have. Ooh, Foggy and Marcy? I don't think it works. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love it. I think it's great. The, this season, I liked it. The last couple of seasons, I wasn't as much there for it, but I, I got into it this well, season. Yeah. yeah, I've been there,
0: so I kind of...
2: What do you mean? I like
1: it. Well, just like like dating Catwoman, you know
0: what I mean? Like dating the, uh, the kind of bitchy girl. I, I get it. I no,
2: it's, it's, it's not that. <laughs> I just don't feel like the actors themselves have as much chemistry
0: oh okay i don't know i always i always thought like their interactions were
2: maybe it's her i don't like because she's kind of like everything is very like oh like her eyes are always huge and she's always just like when she calls him foggy bear i'm like like stop that (laughs) like and yeah
0: (laughs) maybe i just have a personal attachment to something very similar to that yeah maybe i'm I'm totally fine with it so all right whatever
2: Anyway, okay, so then let's uh, let's get to some nitty-gritty. Who, I, I'm pretty sure I know your answers to this, but, okay. I'm going to ask this question just out the gate, because I feel like we're going to have a long conversation about it. Why do you guys think that Agent Nadim was the hero of this season? That's right, that's oh. how I phrased it. Oh, oh. That's how I phrased it. Tell
1: well, me. that's it for Dance <laughs> Row What Dance this week, everybody. Actually,
0: uh, that's... That- that's basically it for Dance for a Wotan experience. But it was a pleasure doing 119 episodes. On
1: the
2: no, I'm teasing. This is what the guys and I struggled with the other day because
1: <laughs> well, I don't, you struggled with it. We were pretty clear on our opinions. I so, think, so
2: this is where this is why I wanted to get through this early, so we have time to talk about it. I will say this, it, listeners. In my opinion, I feel like Agent Nadim was the tragic hero of this season. Not to diminish Daredevil's... A tragic shush. something. Not to diminish Daredevil's... involvement tragic cut. Shush. It'll be your turn in a minute. Shush. This is not to diminish Matt's story arc because he did become the hero that Hell's Kitchen needed again. But Agent Nadim sacrificed more and lost more than anyone else and had to battle harder with his own um, demons than anyone besides Murdoch. Like, Matt had a huge fight with his own personal demons, but he did not personally lose as much as Nadim. No one did. Matt regained his friendships. He was able to get Kingpin behind bars without killing him and sacrificing his own self-worth and, like, identity. Nadim, who was bankrupt because... Okay, I'm just going to make my case, and then you guys can say your thing. Nadim was bankrupt because his sister-in-law got cancer and lost her insurance, which we now know was because of Kingpin, because he wanted Nadim to have to be in his pocket. So this selfless man gives up all of his money to help his brother's wife, who's not even his blood relative, to get the help she needs and the treatment she needs to become cancer free. Then he's trying to support his family and he wants a promotion at work that he deserves. But because of his credit that he now has plummeted because of his self-sacrifice to help his brother's wife live, he is unable to get the promotion. So he's told. So he goes and does the thing that he thinks the FBI wants him to do in order to get the promotion, which is to get Fisk to talk. Fisk, knowing this, manipulates this kind man to make him see that he can get everything that he wants and does all these like small things to make himself seem more like a human to Nadim who then grants him everything so that he can get the promotion that will help him get his money back and help him have his family have a better life. And then Nadim is caught in this horrible trap. By not only Daredevil, who forces him to go into a friend's apartment to discover that his friend is indeed a monster. We're talking about Poindexter. And then he's caught between a rock and a hard place because he knows that Daredevil is fighting for the good, but he doesn't know how to trust him. He's seen Poindexter murder and kill all these people when he trusted this guy his whole career and has helped raise him up. And he's then caught by Kingpin by his boss and mentor, who frames him for murder when he tries to do the right thing to talk about it. And then has to watch from the behind the scenes as Kingpin manipulates him and he can't do anything because his family is trapped and he has to realize very quickly the horrible wrong thing that he has done and is responsible for. And he has to live with the grief of what he has done while being manipulated openly now by this mob you know, mentality when all he wants is, like he says in his interview with Matt and Foggy, to be the good person, to be on the right side of the law because he loved being an FBI agent. So his world is pretty much shattered. Then he tries to do the right thing again and he goes in to testify and all of a sudden he finds out Kingpin again is like has all this power over him that he cannot escape. So all of these jury people have been bought and are now under Kingpin's thumb as well and so his testimony means nothing so he has to literally run he discovers that the only way to keep his family safe is to pretty much commit suicide by being shot by his old friend and he goes leaves his testimony on a phone that he has to send to his wife and he puts her in danger one last time to get to Foggy so that this testimony can finally be used to put Fisk behind bars but it can only be achieved by his death which is at the hand of his friend before he has to say goodbye to his son who he'll never see grow up now you tell me how that is in, not in, a his, in
1: his poor character. suburban pool
2: you tell me how that's not a dramatic character
1: because everything that he has to fight against is of his own fucking but making he
2: didn't know that if you were in that situation tim you would have done the same damn thing no
1: So the the speech or the rant that fucking Matt has against Nadim in like episode 12 was so cathartic for me, where Matt's like, you fucking did this. This is all your fucking fault. If you got in financial trouble, you sell your fucking house, you move somewhere else you can afford to, you get a second job, whatever. And it was his Nadim's fucking pride is what got this whole season started.
2: But the reason Matt is furious is because he sees a lot of his dad in Nadim. It's Nadeem is his father incarnate. It is. It's about pride. But Nadeem also admits that that was a mistake. Could he go back? He would have changed it. People don't want to admit. And that's why there's so much financial crisis that we have as a spending cap in capitalism in the, you know, North America, because people spend beyond their means and they look for the easy way out because it's it's like you always convince yourself you're not in as deep of a hole as you believe you are.
1: I do not see him as a hero by any fucking stretch. Like, I, he's in net. How
2: do you not? He net, gave the defense the put fist behind he's bars. He's net
1: because he would have fucking stayed behind bars if N- Nadim hadn't fucked with him in the first place.
2: But he never would have been put behind. He never would have had that conversation if Fisk hadn't paid to have his sister's insurance removed. And he committed that initial selfless act to help his brother's sister or his brother's wife not die. Fisk is not die of cancer. Fisk is
1: a fucking known entity. Everybody knows his MO. Everybody knows that he manipulates and FBI agents are fucking trained in counter Intel. Dex even says that that in the the fucking series. And Nadim walks right the fuck into it knowing that he is a risk of being manipulated, having just been told by his boss that that's the reason that he hasn't been promoted is because he is at a risk of recruitment.
2: But here's the thing: he's at no. She didn't say yeah, he was yeah. at a risk of recruitment. She said the reason yeah, he hadn't did. gotten no that, yeah. was, later. No, right that was
1: later. That was That was like and first then, episode yeah, in front. She says it to him while she, like they're talking about why he didn't get the assignment. because his credit score is garbage okay. and his fin- Yeah, and his finances are shit. That's why he hasn't been promoted because he's at risk of recruitment.
2: Okay. Okay, so okay, you could you poke a little hole in my locker. <laughs> I'll admit. All right, I missed that. I thought that he wasn't being recruited because of his credit. I thought that was the reason. But she was already in Fisk's pocket, which is why she was trying to. Yeah, that was him. that
0: was the wait when they get to that plot point. That's where I was like, okay, this is this is magical kingpin storytelling now. Yeah, like, this is
1: <laughs> too much. Like, he's too this kingpin. Kingpin has like a palantir, and he's yeah, like seeing like, everything. That, in the that, world. Like, I
2: was like, wow. I used to have yeah. two
1: children. Yeah, that I was like I was like oh my god,
0: really? Like she he killed one of her fucking kids. Like this is how deep this? Is? I'm like all right. <laughs> I'm like listen, I I love kingpin stories where he gets his fucking fingers into everything, but I was like this is like I even the it's a little even mild. comic book writers don't go this fucking far usually with this character. Like it was so <laughs> intense, but
2: But this is why I'm struggling because like uh, Nadim is human. You know, if he was of, you know, if if he was like Matt, if he'd been looking for the signs, then yeah, he would have been more conscious that this was probably all kingpin. But he's a human character.
1: He's an FBI really agent. Human
2: decision. He's
1: been trained yeah, for this
0: more FBI than fucking Matt here. He's a plot device. He's the, he's the reason. how oh, yeah, exactly. this the, like the story that we actually care yeah. about gets put in place.
1: Yeah, and I'm fine with
0: that. And when I'm he's, fine with yeah. him as a plot device, he spend way too much time with the character going forward trying to make you sympathize. Yeah. With him. yeah.
2: But when yeah. you're desperate, this is my point. When you're desperate, like he was. You're not going to be looking because you're in a panic. Like, sure, he's still an FBI agent, but he thought he did the right thing because no one could make Fisk talk because literally no one else was right for Fisk. Like, they pushed Nadim to Fisk, and he thought he was being, like, innovative. He thought he was finally getting Fisk to talk. He thought he was special, and that was the whole point. It was manipulation, masterful manipulation. Which
1: everybody knows Fisk does and which Nadim should have been immediately wary of.
2: I, he never met the
0: man. He should have read the brief. Like I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, yeah. in between, I'm kind of in between the two of you. Like I understand, that, like he was in a shitty situation and like did what he thought was the best thing to do in that shitty situation. I don't necessarily agree that makes him a hero. I think that makes him yeah. an antagonist or a protagonist. I don't. Yeah, like, I don't think
2: he was, was a hero by the end, though. How can you argue this? Uh,
0: because he got himself exactly. into the situation exactly. Like,
2: But look what he sacrificed to get everybody else out.
0: See, I don't even really, like, my thing is, I don't even really consider Daredevil, like, a real hero. He's basically, like, an anti-hero to me, for the most part. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't really see a lot of heroism in this show to begin with, just because, (laughs) like, it's a pretty gray kind of tone of show. Like, Matt was on a, like, Death Wish mission at the end, beginning of the season. Yeah. So, like, it's a lot darker than I think gets to just be like he was a hero kind of thing. He was a flawed character that made a bunch of mistakes and he may have at the end done the right thing because he wanted to do the right thing. I still like think he should have been aware of what was going on way faster than he was. Like he let himself his pride allowed him to think that he was doing the job properly and it blinded him to the fact that he fucked up. And when Matt's when Matt freaks out at him at the end, I was like, good for you, Matt. Now punch him in the face. Can we stop going yeah. back to this fucking plot
1: point that's taking up yeah. every episode. I want to see exactly that stuff, please. <laughs> I have no problem with I, I I found Ray believable as a character, mm-hmm. but and and uh his storyline was realistic. It was pretty compelling, but I still fucking hated him and I think that I could never consider him to be a hero.
2: But I just don't understand how you can't because of what he ended up giving up. He gave up his life, his life with his wife, his child. He did everything he could to put Fisk behind bars. He got to fix fix a mistake. To fix it. That's what a hero does. Heroes are never so flawed that they run into the battle just to be like, oh, no, I'm just going to fix this. Like, Look, Cap has made huge mistakes. Thor made mistakes. We can talk about Banner has made mistakes. Look at what Hulk does, but he's still considered well, a hero. Look at Iron
0: Man. Look at Iron Man.
2: You're talking about pride. <laughs> You're right. Look at Tony yeah. Stark.
0: Yeah, he did build a murder bot that, like, almost. He
2: built a murder thing. bot. Right. And yet, you guys are still like, yeah, Tony, I don't understand. Where is your logic that this Nadim did not go and do the right thing? He fixed. He was a hero to the people because his dying testimony got Fisk behind bars. <laughs> Nothing Matt did got Fisk behind bars. It was the dying testimony of Nadim. He
0: stopped him from escaping, which was kind of helped him get behind. Stopped
2: bars. him from escaping. Sure. But that just meant that Fisk would have been on the run. Doesn't mean that he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been tried.
0: Yeah, but he's still like on the run and able to like do stuff. Even if he isn't in New York, like he's, he's still able to affect shit. Um, not this in- is
2: why I'm saying I don't, It's not about Matt not being a hero. It's that Nadim was the tragic hero of the story. Matt got everything back, which won't be forever, but by the end, he was sitting in a sandwich shop laughing with his friends. Nadeem was buried in the ground. And taking
1: pot shots at Jessica Jones. So, good times. Yeah, I did like that. That was a good reference. Yeah, Karen is a lot more reliable than Jessica Jones. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
2: My point being is that I think you're wrong to argue that he had no heroic qualities, like that he did not play a hero portion of this thing. I think that you're, you're upset. You don't, you didn't like the arc. Therefore you didn't want to believe, but he is a lot oh, of I ways liked, like Tony Stark. I
1: liked the arc. I loved watching Fisk just play him like a fucking violin, but I don't think that makes him a hero that he figured that out eventually.
2: <laughs> anyway. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Who, what was your favorite, Part of the series. Because we fought about that for twenty minutes. What was your favorite part of the series?
0: <laughs> like of this season? Yeah. Oh, Dex. Bullseye Dex. by a goddamn country mile. Everything that guy did, I was like enrapt watching.
1: So yeah. yeah. That and the fights. I
2: love the sound they used with him.
1: Yeah, the the buzzing in his ears yeah. where when, when he's starting to like get agitated or stressed or whatever. Yeah. That
2: was and really the, effective. um when they actually like his world was spinning out of control and the camera spun around the room and like went upside down because his world was turning upside down. Yeah. I was like, Hmm, clever.
0: I love the way they brought bullseye into the season. I was so fucking happy with the way that character worked. Like I can forgive basically everything that I had a problem with in this year because they fucking nailed bullseye. Like he was exactly as unbalanced and disturbing to watch and, Like as effective and terrifying a fighter as he should be, like he was everything I wanted uh, Bullseye to be when they finally brought him into the series. I was like, "Yes, let's do this." Mm -hmm. Him like finding his fucking like girlfriend, quote unquote, corpse, and then driving and
1: then driving her around. This is insane. (laughs) Introducing her to people. (laughs) This
0: is insanity. But I'm so here for it. Like I was just so fucking here for it. Like it was so good. I was very happy with Bullseye and like. That fight in the bulletin with him and Matt, holy shit. Best fight of the year. That Matt, was my yeah. favorite fight scene of the season. Because yeah, it was, it was like Bullseye writ large, man. He's just like... yeah. Every time... I loved that, like the fight psychology in that fight in particular, but like most of the fights between the two of them, where it was like, if Matt got close, he kind of seemed yeah. to take the he advantage. Well. And then as soon yeah. as Bullseye was able to push him off and start throwing again, that's when he took the lead. And I was like, this is exactly how a Daredevil Bullseye fight should work. Yeah, Like in a yeah. full motion kind of like video medium like it's just back and forth back and forth back and forth (laughs) evenly matched and like trying to figure out like how to take whatever little advantage they have over the other fighter and use that to the to put the fucker down because that's basically what they were trying to do the whole year was like put that guy down as fast as possible and just not able to do it it was great i was loving every fight
1: yeah the the unwritten story beats or unspoken story beats in that fight were fucking amazing for me like when matt catches the baton and you see that moment of realization like fuck this is mine that's one of my pieces yeah 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 and then yeah and then he you can sort of see matt come to the realization fuck this guy's impersonating me and then you can see that moment when deck starts to realize that he can't take matt in close quarters so he backs off and fucking just everything is a projectile and I was so ricocheting fucking- that baseball off the wall Austin and fucking staplers at him and shit i'm like this is great this
0: is exactly what i want Darede- or uh, bullseye to be doing when he's in a like close
1: quarter combat situation just grab everything and yeah. turn
0: it into a weapon because that's what he does
1: yeah and like that fucking that newsroom scene really rung true and was like eerily prescient too because i'm sure that was written well before that uh Capital gazette yeah, shooting yeah. in maryland uh in like july and then fucking a couple weeks ago we had those pipe bombs sent to cnn and shit like that and it was that uh there was also that charlie headbow in france a couple years ago yeah. shooting and shit like yeah. that so all of that i i like i really liked that sort of metaphor of you know news outlets under attack yeah. kind of thing and the fucking aftermath—the that table full of ringing cell phones and the bloody oh. evidence bags—holy shit, that was effective. Yeah,
0: they did. Uh, they did a really good job dealing with the bullseye character this season. I think that's why, like, yeah. when Christie's ranting about Nadine's arc, I'm like, I don't care. Just fucking give me. Yeah, bullseye. let's just talk about what Dex. Let's just get in here with the bullseye <laughs> well. stuff. Like, it was all bullseye, Matt and Wilson to me this year. I was like, <laughs> as soon as th- that's why I said what I said. I'm like, it just felt like he's a plot device and a, like a budget saving plot feature, you know what I mean? So we can just show people talking about the plot at the FBI headquarters and not have our lead actors that probably cost a ton of money to have on set doing exactly Mm. the same thing. Like, this is the cheap way of doing the show. So this way we can save money so we can do 10 minute fucking tracking shots with Charlie Cox in the middle of them and stuff like that. Like, I I understand why it was done. I just like, I kind of ignore it, I guess. Like, upon rewatch, especially, I was like, that was when I was tuning out the most was when I was going through that plot again being like yeah me too i know like i know what's gonna happen and like i kind of i kind of think it's his own fault kind of thing because like i don't know my reaction would have been like well i'm already in deep i may as well get rich off this so what can i do for (laughs) you i guess like whatever you know like just sink in at that point i don't know trying to set himself up at that point i may as well like you're fucked either way like you're probably going to jail (laughs) if they catch you or you're gonna die so i'd just be like fine fuck it i work for you can you give me a six figure fucking salary somehow on top of everything yeah, else. Exactly. It's like <laughs> Christ almighty. Yeah, that that would have been my take on it, but
1: yeah. More morally flexible than your average FBI agent, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I was super happy with Dex overall though. I thought they did an excellent job introducing him during that ambush. Mm-hmm. Comes in and just fucking takes down all those dudes and then right there by taking down the the Albanians that um, were already surrendering, their fucking Fisk has leverage over them. Yeah. And then Fisk, and that was the what well, that that I liked about Fisk's manipulations this season was here's a new guy that's come in that Fisk has not, you know, set up all of this yeah. stuff previously, and you get to watch him figure out his, his best ways to get at yeah. Dex. I
2: I will say that scene where we saw Dex's past in Fisk's as he was like listening to the tapes and
1: and Fisk Fisk observing them, brilliant.
2: Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Why wasn't more of that used? It was stunning film, like a cinematography and like a brilliant way of storytelling to keep him within the boundaries of Fisk's apartment. Just because he was like, mm-hmm. like you said, observing and taking it all in. I. It was stunning, stunning. And the moments with his therapist, yeah. I was like, oh, the therapist was brilliant.
0: Yeah, they did a really yeah. good job. Everything, like I said, everything they did with Bullseye, I was like, I'm here for this. Like they did a really good job of taking a character that is. Occasionally a little one note in the comics, and translating him to like a very compelling, like believable villain in the, a more realistic MCU setting. So I was like, "This is really good." And now I just want him and Typhoid Mary to get together and attack Daredevil and do a season like that because hmm. that's what I need in my life. Is that a thing? What in the comics? Typhoid Mary, who was in, she was in Iron Fist season two. So you yeah, missed, yeah, yeah, I,
2: yeah, I remember her.
0: But like Alice, she was played by Alice. Lee. She was awesome. Like she was the best part of that season. Yeah, I know, but like Typhoid <laughs> Mary is traditionally a Daredevil character. Like she comes mm. from the Daredevil comics originally. So as soon as they introduced her and she was that good in Iron Fist, I was like, can we please put her in Daredevil? Right the fuck.
2: Maybe there hell? was their test. Yeah.
1: yeah, it could be. I hope they get a season four and get to introduce her. That's all I'm saying right now. <laughs> when I first saw Julie, uh, there was a moment where I was like, oh shit, that's another Mary persona.
0: Oh yeah, Whoa. which that would have be cool, been cool actually,
1: because like they 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 look yeah. pretty similar those two actresses. So I thought that I got real excited for a minute there. And in the end, I was like, okay, I think maybe Typo Mary could have been too much yeah, in all this, but yeah. But uh but for like it got me real excited for a second there. <laughs> the inevitable plot point where she becomes Fisk's new top
0: assassin and her and her and Bullseye fight out over that role is a scene that I yeah. want in live action so bad. Well
2: like, yeah that'd so be great. great. <laughs> when Fisk like when Daredevil Daredevil when Poindexter was talking to vanessa and was mm. calling him wilson and was like just call me the yeah. new james Voila! i was like whoa
0: we didn't talk <laughs> we haven't talked about vanessa at all this year like
2: yeah, i didn't really feel it. really i her initial oh, like liked, walk up I to fisk her turned me right off when she had that like weird face smile thing going on she was like ah. she looked like a gargoyle i was like what the hell is this
1: but that was the thing. Like, I think in her time apart, she obviously had some introspection and realized that. Oh yeah. Okay, this is not necessarily the life I want, or at least I want a bigger piece of it. If it is kind yeah. of thing. I
0: like. I like seeing her become the queen pin. That is a like. Yeah, yeah. Something that happens in the comics too. So like. Is that a th- yeah
2: queen pin is that what they call well, it? Well,
0: she becomes like well, she actually takes over for him when he goes to jail at one point in the comics and becomes oh. like, the head of the crime syndicate in New York, and Daredevil has to take her on instead of Fisk.
1: It was an interesting story because she's about the only one that that can manipulate him. Yeah. She's the only one that has power over him. And you can see her starting to use that at the end of that season, which is, I mean, where she orders Nadim's death, for instance. And yeah. that was fucking super yeah. cool. Yeah, I was all in for them power coupling this season. Like I, I was
2: having yeah. a good time
0: and I like that actress a lot. Like I agree like that her introductory scene was a little weird, but like everything after that, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's starting to like she's getting a taste. Like, she has a taste for it now. She wants yeah. the power. I
2: wish her. we'd had longer times with her. I wish we had one more episode. Yeah, of the Vanessa. problem is, yeah, it costs a, a lot life. of
0: money to get your lead actors on. I'm assuming Vincent D'Onofrio cost them a fuck ton of money to have on set, and that's why he's o- the only ever really see him in that apartment set, except for like a couple scenes. Yeah, I bet you like that was in L.A. and they shot that on location, like in a studio. So that he
1: didn't have to go anywhere. Vincent D'Onofrio isn't like that big of a star, though. Like outside of this, he hasn't done much in the past like ten he's, years. He's been all over the fucking CSI shows. He's he makes all kinds of yeah. But I mean, that's still TV and network TV. It's- yeah, but he makes he's a headline on a network TV show that
0: is one of their top. Yeah, fair shows. enough. They make they make good money if you're a lead on one of those shows. That's why David Boreanaz has never gone over to movies. He just keeps taking lead roles on these shitty shows because he gets a ton Who is of money. this?
2: Yeah. Wait, what show is this?
0: I was just talking about, like, uh, the guy who played Angel has never been in a movie, or he's been in one movie. bones. But
2: no, then Bones. No, like, Vincent D'Onofrio was in what was show? was in, like,
1: CSI. C- he uh, was in one of the CSI. Uh, no, it, was it SVU, wasn't or, it? I think uh, yeah. Law & Order SVU. Yeah, it was one of those. He was
0: in one of those, like, crime procedural shows for a long time, and he was one of the mm-hmm. leads for a while, so. They make good money on those Law & Order shows, is what I'm trying to say. So when mm-hmm. he is asking for this show, it's probably very high. And, like, to get him, they probably have to kind of, like, high for TV and he only anyway. stays on yeah exactly like high for TV and then like so he wants to stay in LA or whatever so they build the set and he do most of the scenes on that set that's what I'm trying to get at okay um,
1: yeah.
0: so that's why you would get more like the plot getting fed through like a newcomer like the the actor who played Nadim and all the FBI agents around him as opposed to like we're going to do all this exposition with Charlie Cox Deborah Ann Wolfe, I can't remember the guy who plays Foggy's name Vincent D'Onofrio and the guy who's playing Bullseye because those guys are probably fucking expensive because you're your leads right so do all yeah. your heavy lifting plot wise with the B characters and then do the cool shit with the A characters. Cause that's really what we want to see. That's what I'm trying yeah.
1: to Yeah. Yeah. I mean with Vanessa, f- seeing how disappointed Fisk was when like their reunion wasn't quite what he had imagined yeah. it to be was, I thought that was super compelling and, and really, yeah, it was just, you know, he obviously had these expectations about how things were going to go when they got back together and then it's uh, very different than that. And you can just see his,
2: panic mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's, yeah exactly he starts to sort of panic and you know his it's the one place where he doesn't have full control because he doesn't want to have control over her
2: yeah yeah he wants her to feel like she belongs yeah yeah but yeah no their relationship was really interesting i just found that vincent d'onofrio like he shines in the moments where fisk is losing it and it's between it's the in-between that like You know what? His whole performance is really, really good, but sometimes when he gets really shouty and it's very like, it's very one note to me, but it's his subtlety that's really fascinating. Like when he's playing his quiet anger and like manipulating Poindexter, like before you recognize that he's going to smash that one guy's face in, like he's really fascinating. But when Kingpin gets like that kind of, one tone fury emotional emotionality that's what I'm kind of like yeah he, he's good
0: see that's where I'm just waiting for him to really pop off like that's the in-between yeah. stage where I'm like I like him when he's being the eye, eye of the storm kind of Yeah, thing. like you're waiting for him to just like pick a target to just fucking haul him yeah. off at that point so I think that's more of like a, a warning signal for that kind of thing than like I'm, I'm supposed to be captivated by this part of the performance this is supposed to be like hey he's getting ready to fucking pop get ready yeah that could happen But then he doesn't, right? Like he does exactly the opposite when he pounds that guy's face in. He's super quiet the whole time. And he's like, can I have your coat? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. That this weird little awkward exchange where he gets up and kind of takes his coat off and (laughs) hands it to him. He looks at it half folds it and then like just fucking wraps around his head and starts beating him. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Like very, very, very calm and then just fucking exploded. Rude. Wow. Yeah, he
2: was pretty, pretty nuts. Like that was that scene in general. I was just like, holy shit.
0: Yeah, he likes uh, killing fuckers in cars as much as Matt likes beating people up in hallways. So it's. <laughs> <coughs> the hallway is the true star yeah, of Daredevil. That's why I said that when you <laughs> guys were getting heated in that chat. I was like, yeah. basically, the hero of these stories is always the hallway because that's the best part of every one of these shows. <laughs> Stairwell, I guess, in season two, but like, fair enough. You know? Yeah. <laughs> or it's that prison hallway when the Punisher fucks up everybody. That was gross, too. Oh, Jesus.
2: Yeah. There's a uh, there was definitely like this was cinematically one of the best shot se- like seasons of television I've seen. It was pretty.
0: Yeah. True. Oh yeah, this is they really pull out the stops for this show, which is like I was going to talk about this more at the end, but like I guess we're gonna get in there anyway. But like the the level of quality, like the disparity of level of quality between like Daredevil and like all the other shows, with the exception of like we've talked about Jessica Jones season one being like kind of an outlier, but like all the other Sequel seasons to these shows mm. have been like, eh, fine. Like, they've been, and some of them have been really good, but none of them have been this fucking yeah. good. So I'm always like, Daredevil's kind of the premiere show. So when all of the other ones are getting canceled, I'm like, as long as Daredevil sticks around, I'm <laughs> I just want
2: more of this. Yeah, it's, I, I kind of hope Netflix hangs on to that as long as they can. Cause if they canceled it after this season, everyone would be like, what? Yeah, Happy especially if
0: there die. wasn't like a plan for like Disney to pick it up. Because that would be the only other option. I'd be like, if they yeah. were like, "Hey, we're canceling Daredevil." If I was Disney, I'd be like, "Fuck it, we're taking the whole thing and putting on the streaming service," which also means we can integrate properly and have him show up in the Avengers. Yeah, so it's, it's true. God, I would love to see Charlie Cox's Daredevil work. With <laughs> Just if you're doing limited series on the like Netflix stream or the Disney streaming service, and you're doing like Falcon and uh, Winter Bucky, Soldier, yeah. why are we not getting a Daredevil Spider-Man one? Fiction? Yeah, it would be so perfect. Anyway,
2: I was going to say, too, it's interesting to talk about Netflix and Netflix Canada and how that's going to be different because um, we had our our one listener. By the way, uh, a a big shout out to Matthew Fab. He writes on our posts a lot with like really interesting tidbits and different like factoids that we might have missed. And uh, I really I really appreciate your insight, Matt. So thank you.
1: He's like the. The unofficial dance robot dance fact checker. Yeah,
2: and I, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Like that's awesome.
1: Which we need because we talk on yeah. our asses
0: a lot. That's right.
2: <laughs> but uh, no, I appreciated his insight into the actual work around Disney and or the Disney Channel not coming right away to Canada. So Netflix Canada is going to keep yeah, a yeah. lot of that stuff on Netflix Canada for a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think the the Netflix shows as they exist right now are going to leave Netflix. I no. just mean, like, as they exist, I just think going forward, anything new might be up in the air is kind of where I'm at right now, especially as Disney streaming becomes a thing. I was reading, I like, I read Matt's post, and I, I really can't see Disney launching a streaming service and not launching in Canada somehow, too. Like, this doesn't make sense to hit your North American market and not do the whole North mm-hmm. American market. A lot of people use Canada as, like, a test indicator to how, like, Europe's going to react to stuff,
1: so... I don't know. It's just, we'll see what happens, I guess, is what I'm trying mm. to say. Yeah. We haven't even talked about Sister Maggie yet. Yes. We, no, I
0: I liked her a lot. I liked everything in this season, so...
1: I didn't, I mean, obviously that's a thing in the comics. But yeah. I did not know about it, and I did not see it coming. Oh.
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard that a lot from people who don't read the comics, so I was spoiled, obviously, because I'm well aware of the history between that character and Matt, because that's right out of the Frank Miller Born Again story, that this was mostly based on so yeah
1: but yeah that that whole catholic guilt angle i thought was played up yeah, really well the I sister don't. maggie story was pretty interesting even how they brought in like the sort of real life thing of postpartum depression, depression. And, Ooh, yeah that was intense and but then on re-watching it and obviously knowing that maggie sister maggie is matt's mother when she says like everyone in matthew's life abandoned him including me i was like yeah. how did i miss that the first time through <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, I was. I, I'm surprised you did miss that because I, I caught it. Well, I mean, I caught it. I wasn't early watching early. it super closely at first time. Yeah. I was watching it while I worked. So yeah, I found it, I heard it the Close first time, people. but I was also like, I was looking for her to like
1: drop hints about it early yeah, on because
0: yeah, yeah. I know yeah. she's his mom and that's she's been his mom for since the '80s. So yeah, there you go.
1: And then the the death of the priest. priest. Mother, oh, sad that, that that bummed me out because I like that, that character a lot. Too. Yeah,
2: it had um, to happen for Karen though.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: But no, when when uh, Sister Maggie came out as Matt's mom, at first I was kind of like, mm. but then I thought about it and I was like, no, that makes sense. And then during the flashback, like to see how this, like she was very sassy. She was a very sassy woman her whole life and like never really played by the rules growing up it looked like. And I kind of liked that she had this like really lovely romance with the boxer, but the postpartum depression, I love that they took that she thought she had been betraying God because she'd stopped being a nun to have this baby with, um, yeah, with uh, Matt's dad, and that Jack. she Jack, thank you, she just like couldn't function, and they they showed it in a really real way that it's not that Matt was in like hardcore danger, but like she just wouldn't listen to him crying. She was just stuck, and yeah. the fact that like they had to literally take her back to the church and the only place that she actually knew that she she felt whole again. And so she ended up, because of her guilt, taking care of hundreds of children over the course of her life. Like, that's beautiful. Yep. It's devastating because Matt was one of those children, but it's it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed that. Like, I enjoyed the actress. Yeah. I like that actress. Um, she's been in a couple of things that I've seen before. And uh, I like the Sister Maggie character from the comics, and they translated her pretty faithfully. Like, I liked that arc. So, like, seeing that arc translated to live action was kind of cool, because um, I wasn't sure they were ever going to touch on the fact that his mother was like one of the nuns at that convent kind of thing like that's mm. part of the story so when they did that at the end of defenders and they're like go tell maggie he's awake i was like oh shit they're bringing his mom in for season three that's cool like i was spoiled on this like by the end of defenders so like i kind of knew what was mm. going on but i enjoyed all of it like i really like the lapsed catholic catholic guilt kind of angle of daredevil um it's always been it's i like guess part of his character and i just enjoy mm. it a lot so
1: yeah and seeing him, like, have to struggle to relearn how to fight in the
2: yeah. convent
1: and everything was really cool. And especially, like, having to relearn how to sense his surroundings through touch and yeah. through, especially after having his ear fucked up. That was scary. Oh, fucking, him, gro- him spitting out or hawking out
0: that fucking, like, blood
1: clot or okay. was so gross. Like that, <laughs> that was weird to me. And that was, like, I, I don't think that was really well- I don't know if it was well shot or well edited or whatever, but are, am I supposed to believe that he's his sinuses have been full of blood for however many weeks that he's been convalescing?
2: No, no, no. That's like, actually it's a real thing because a lot of the time when your sinuses are that clogged, but the rest of your senses are well. Your senses are attached to your sinuses. Yeah, well, your hearing for, and your
0: taste are attached to your sinuses. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: And so for him, I, I think it's quite believable that he just was, it was stuck and lodged so far up there that he was so desperately sad about his hearing that he just wasn't caring about the rest of his body. It was something you couldn't see. I also think right.
0: like he was in a coma for most of that time and it yeah. just woken up and it was like a couple of days where he, when it until he realized that there was something wrong with him. But he probably felt swollen and beaten up because he had had yeah. a building collapse on top of him. So he was bruised and battered from,
2: <laughs> yeah, you
1: know. First of all, he got
0: the shit kicked out of him by Electra, And then yeah. the fucking building fell on him. So he's going to be pretty beat up. So I'd assume, like, my sinus is being slightly inflamed. and inf- Like, Wouldn't, when I've got yeah. broken bones and, like, internal fucking hemorrhaging, not going to really, like, click in yeah. any way except for, like, I can't hear, which completely, like, locks me in sense-wise because
1: he can't. That's how he interacts with the
0: world, is through his hearing, basically. Yeah.
1: But was that the case, too? Like, was it that he couldn't hear because of that fucking sinus clot or whatever? Or yeah. was that... Okay, that that was what was... That's, fucking that's that how was I read it. Because, like, once yeah. he, once he like, fucking
0: farmer snorted it out or whatever the fuck he did... Um, it was the neti pot. It was senses, the neti pot. Yeah, pot. Yeah. pot. That's <laughs> it. He did the neti pot. Like, once that cleared out, he seemed to kind of have his senses, like, his senses seemed to kind of filter back through. So...
1: Yeah, yeah. But even then like it seemed if he got hit in that ear I think it was after that that he was oh no it wasn't it was it was the no, he
2: got hit first the night that
1: he went out what, what? no, I, th- no I, th- I think it was he got hit in the ear the first night that he went out which was before he cleared out his whatever fucking nastiness that was Yeah
0: but I mean if you he's going to get hit in the head like that's probably that's probably what indicated to him that there was a problem in that area yeah, yeah. you know what I mean like there yeah. oh there's something fucked up there I need to do a neti pot my sinuses are clogged and that might be probably
1: yeah. I don't know I just like you can nitpick it a million different ways, right? Like I just yeah,
0: yeah. eventually well,
1: assumed, like oh, it was just one that I thought could have been told a little more clearly. Or it, yeah,
2: I, I think it was also um, the fact that... I picked it up. So yeah, he, yeah. he, I live with someone whose sinuses are always in shit. So like, yeah, <laughs> he was like, oh, <laughs> that makes sense. But,
0: yeah, I was. I live with that same pain. Like I have sinus problems too. So I was like, oh yeah, I could.
1: I totally relate to like my sinuses are just super clogged yeah. right now. So. Yeah. Since Mark just mentioned Electra, that was one thing that was a little weird to me is that they he wakes up asking for Electra and then stuff, and like they've had this crazy intense romance or tryst or whatever. And then the rest of the season, we don't fucking hear about Electra at all. I thought there could have been a little bit more fallout there, and Matt could have been a little more broken up about that. And like, I don't know if he I, I think it's either you. Cut ties with it entirely and don't have her him asking for Electra when he wakes up, or you have to lean into it a little bit more, or it just rings weird.
0: Yeah, it did. I I noticed that too. But like, once the plot gets moving, like he doesn't have a lot of time to really like be like, oh, I guess yeah. I should go look for Electra. You know, while Wilson Fisk is basically tearing New York down around my ears. <laughs> so like, yeah. I understood if he woke up and didn't ask for Electra, I'd have been like, what the fuck is going on? He was with the love of his life, and he almost yeah. died, and he didn't ask about her. And then going forward, I was like, maybe he should have brought her up a couple more times, at least. Just been like, I still don't know what happened to Electra. Like, I survived, so maybe she did. That's probably what he's thinking. Is like if I survived, and she was still like up and conscious and in much better shape than he was, because she was beating him up at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. She probably made it out too. So I think his thing is like, I gotta deal with this fisk shit,
1: and then I can go figure out where Electra is. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. That's how I would know. Yeah. It was also kind of nice, like that. We had a full season that did not really have a romance angle to it. Yeah, yeah no, like, they, it's not the first time that that's happened, but it, every time it happens, I, I I like to note that hey, writers, you don't always need to shoehorn a fucking romance into one of these seasons. Well, they're they're still playing horror. the they're still playing the Karen and Matt will they won't
0: they shit, but we're in a definite like maybe kind of on a pause right now, so this yeah, season yeah. didn't have to play with that angle at all, which was great because I don't mind their romance, but at the same time, I'm just like we just tell a story where we don't have to like pause every episode for five minutes and have like the Dawson's Creek moment where they chat about I, their feelings. That would be, so yeah. Be yeah. Alive. So they still what, did like, what the, are we? Yeah. They, did, they still <laughs> did the soup. They still do the supernatural, like denouement at the end of every episode where they're like, so here's where we are right now. But like, it's not, <laughs> a. then they don't pause and have like a, I got to go talk to my romantic interest about how weird things are and then leave it on yeah. a weird nebulous note so that we can resolve it at the end of the season.
1: So that demon made me say some weird things. Yeah, exactly. I didn't mean them. I still love you.
0: Yeah, my brother, Sam, or whatever weird thing happens on that show. Anyway.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I just, I thought that the Karen thing, will they, won't they. Is she his main love interest or is it Elektra Uh, in the comics? Well, he has a lot. He's a whore. Uh, is it an Archie? Is it an Archie like uh, Betty Veronica sort it's of? It's actually life?
1: a. He's what like, like a fifty year old character, right? So there's he's been pro- probably had a lot of love interests over the years. He's had three
0: main love interests over the years. You you've seen two. Actually, you've seen all three. They just have never introduced the third one as part of Daredevil's world. Because who's that? Uh, Black Widow. Matt and Natasha mm-hmm. are oh. super tight in the comics, and like she comes to fucking help him out on a lot. Actually, in Born Again, was it Born Again? No, I think it was one of the other, was one of the Bendis runs where he gets exposed this this way, like by Fisk. Uh, she comes in and is like basically his backup for a number of issues because she's set up in New York as an Avenger, so she can come and help Matt out when she when he needs it. But yeah, it's usually Elektra yeah. is like the one that most people lean into because of like how dramatic and like Shakespearean, like her dying and coming back and all that other kind of stuff is. Karen's his kind of first love interest in the comics and is eventually murdered horrifically by bullseye but i'm hoping that happens eventually too
2: is she really oh
0: god kevin smith did it kevin smith wrote that issue he fucking murders her in the church i actually thought it was gonna happen this year because it was they started doing that scene in the church this year oh yeah and i was like oh shit is he gonna kill karen (laughs) yes we're getting there but then he didn't i was like all right we'll get there eventually i'm sure so but yeah so karen page electra and natasha like the black widow are tend to be like the three women that kind of Come in and out of Matt's life the most. There are others like they introduce as certain writers come in, but if you want the three like historically biggest love interests in Daredevil's career, those are the three.
2: Those are the three. Yeah. Interesting.
0: I know a lot about Daredevil, guys. I don't know. No. <laughs> no, really. I like you Daredevil a lot. Never noticed. I like Daredevil, an awful lot.
2: Well, you know what? um uh, Do you guys have any? I I guess where we should do final thoughts. Yeah, let's do final thoughts. Tim, why don't you give us your final thoughts about the season in general? Just, we've talked about grapes, we've talked about things we really liked, what's what's left there to say?
1: Final thoughts, well, going, I, I mean, I really enjoyed this overall. I think it's, I don't know if it's, it's in like probably my top three of the Marvel Netflix series easily. I don't know exactly where it is, I haven't watched a lot of them in a while, but I think I probably am sitting at like a nine out of ten. There are a couple things that take me back from like a perfect score kind of thing, but it was really fucking solid. Let's see. We're talking final thoughts. So I'm going to talk about the final fight. The final fight I was really happy with oh, the yeah. bullseye Dex and Fisk. The 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 again the fight choreography just played so well into each combatant's style, like ranged versus brute force versus boxy like kind of match, which a little scrappier kind of
0: kind of stuff. Yeah
1: yeah exactly and uh, and then after that how they handle Fisk's knowledge of daredevil's identity and saying like if you tell anybody i'll fucking come after vanessa
2: yeah that was, that cool. was
1: perfect yeah. that was so good yeah because I, I i when i first came into that scene i was like oh fuck how are they going to do this like if he doesn't kill fisk then fisk knows and that was just perfect i was like well that works yeah. that works for me so yeah and i so overall the writing was just fucking phenomenal acting was generally great yeah, couple really minor things, but is there anybody also- you
0: didn't like who did you not like in like performance wise? Anybody- uh,
1: there were there were just a couple that were sort of middling rather than or great, like I mean some of like it was and it's some of like the peripheral characters, yeah. like some of Foggy's family members and yeah. shit like that were a little little one node and that yeah. kind of thing. But I mean they're not big characters and yeah. the DA was fine, but he wasn't like great.
2: Yeah. Also, can we just quickly talk about how we were like shitting on Naveen, but Foggy's brother and parents all cooked the numbers of their sandwich shop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How do you cook the numbers on a fucking sandwich shop? That's what I'm I'm like.
2: How the like... (laughs) Because Fisk is three steps to five steps ahead. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I
1: guess. Yeah. Uh,
0: That was a little weird to me, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Super happy with it. You should go watch it if you have not already.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's real good. But yeah, what about you, Matt or uh, Mark? <laughs> I'm calling you Matt. Yeah. Matt Murdoch. What about Matt you?
1: Murdoch? Yeah.
0: I don't want to be blind, but I'll be Daredevil if somebody wants to. Love <laughs> me. Yeah, I love this. This is my favorite season of these Netflix shows. This may actually be like Daredevil me be quickly becoming like my favorite hero series in the MCU period. Wow. Like Movies and TV. Like I, I like the Daredevil character a lot, so I, I forgive a lot. But like this season was exactly what I wanted out of this season. Like I was so hyped for this, as we're all very aware. Like, <laughs> it delivered like 95% of what I wanted out of it. Probably like a little bit too much of the FBI stuff, but like I get the budget kind of thing happening. Like I was watching it and being like, oh budget constraints. I can already feel them. But <laughs> when it, Matt and like the main characters were on screen, I'm like, yep, this is exactly what I want. And like again, the fight choreography, like every fucking fight this year, I was like, they all felt heavy and brutal. And I was just in yeah. by all of them. And like,
1: what do we which ones? Fuck yeah.
0: Because like the one-shotter in the prison that we talked about, like, I loved that fight. Like, I thought it was spectacularly well done. Yes, there's some whiffed hits here, but by the end, Matt looks like he's shattered and doesn't, it can barely mm-hmm. stand. So, like, the run through the actual riot, I'm like, this is just fun. Like I'm having such a good time. That fight in the bulletin, him and, him and yeah. bullpen, I like, fuck, God damn it, that was amazing. And even him taking in all the FBI agents in the underground parking lot, like, that was cool. Yeah, in that, that, in that warehouse cool. yeah, like, too, with the uh...
1: Well, there's yeah, multiple times that he took out a bunch of FBI Yeah, agents. but, like,
0: him doing the Batman thing and, like, sneaking up on them in that... Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, this is fucking awesome, because he's just messing guys up Batman-style. I'm like, this is great. That's exactly what I want Daredevil to be doing. And, like, both big fights with Bullseye, like, the one in the, the church as well, I thought was great. Yeah. And, um I had a really good time with that. And, it, it, like, having him have to defend that group of people and get them out, like, that added tension really well. But, like, the whole fight was great. And then that last fight, yeah, holy shit, that was... Mm -hmm. I was so happy with that last fight that I was like, I don't care about any of the other stuff that happened this season that I don't like. (laughs) I got to watch Kingpin, Bullseye in a daredevil costume and Matt beat the fucking shit out of each other for ten minutes. And like all the cool left a good taste in your mouth. Yeah, it left an excellent taste in my mouth. But all that stuff too in that fight where like Bullseye keeps trying to kill Vanessa because he's jealous of her relationship with Wilson and like Matt's fucking bombing out of the air and like swatting away his shots and stuff. I'm like, this is great. Do more of this. (laughs) <laughs> like the they the fight choreography worked with the writers to get the characters' notes down. Like they got their styles. Everything just worked perfectly. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes, perfect. So that being said, nine point five out of ten. Absolutely yes, little things that were taking me out of it. But this is the best to me the best these Netflix shows have been, and maybe one of the best examples of the MCU period. So
2: Yeah. Out there and get it. Well, high praise indeed. I will say I was a big fan of this run like I was saying at the beginning I would give it a 9 like Tim. I think there were some things that could have been improved. Some things that you know. No, okay. just mad because
1: they killed your hero. Yeah.
2: No. I think that there, <laughs> there's some suspension of disbelief that they asked you to do and there was some pretty big like drama around certain things. Like I know it was a very dramatic setup and everything but there were moments I was like mm, this is a lot. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I I did enjoy, I thought the plot was really, really cool. I thought that people were genuinely overall very, very good. At, at the acting was uh, superb, and there were just a couple of things. There's just a couple of things that we talked about that I think any TV show has to kind of do, because if they didn't, it would just be kind of boring with all the filler stuff. But overall, good job. Good job, Marvel. Good job, Daredevil. You, you had me. I was into it. And with that, um, I think we should probably do geek cred before we end the episode. So, uh, why don't we start with Mark? Mark, give us your geek cred.
0: With the, uh, I'll say, resurrection of Side A, Side B coming up. Like, we have recorded an episode and we are going to be putting something out this week. The next set of albums that we're going to do is uh, a pair of Mitski albums. I listened to them both last night, but like her new one, Be the Cowboy, is the one that I kind of got stuck on last night. So, I'd recommend that record. It's really good. I have some weird nitpicky issues with it that will probably come up on the podcast when we do it but yeah it's really really good and Misky's a uh, an artist that i think people should spend a little bit more time with and yeah to get shouted out a little bit more so i recommend both of you go and listen to that album and i recommend all our listeners do it as well and then go listen to side a side b because i could use the listeners on that side too. i do like me some miski yeah, doing man. good things yeah the, the new one's great so like uh, the last two i'm like yeah you're doing good work so awesome
2: yeah. all right what about you, Tim?
1: I'm going to recommend a comic book series, so it's one that I was really excited for, and uh, it has lived up to my expectations. It is Tom King's Heroes in Crisis, basically the current like big d c event book, although it's not really like crossing over with all the other well, it is kind of because uh spoilers there are some big fucking character deaths in the first episode, but it's very much what Christie talked about like they sort of show you the aftermath and everything that's happened, and then the rest of the story is showing you how they got to that point. I was hesitant to recommend it just based on the first issue because I'm always hesitant to recommend something just based on a single issue. It's like, I think it's going to be a six or seven issue miniseries, but the second issue just came out this week and holy fuck is, is it good? Mark, there is one scene where uh, I won't go too spoilery, but Harley Quinn takes on the big three takes on wonder woman, Superman and Batman, which you'd think would be totally fucking. That should be a curb stomp. Exactly. Should be at, but the way that tom king writes it harley just fucking schools them i fucking love tom king uh and it is perfect
0: what's this called heroes in crisis
1: heroes in crisis and the the art on it's really good too fuck who's doing the art on
0: it uh I say man? it's dale
1: eaglesham maybe Man's the uh, name that's coming up here
0: on uh... oh clay man yeah. i think uh yeah, i like his shit he's got like a
1: very uh Jim Lee meets Lenel Yu kind of style to him, so I'm I'm in. Yeah, it. it's it's very grounded in realism, yeah. sort of thing. Like not too stylistic. It really sort of lets the lets the story speak. But it's uh, it just yeah, it it complements the story really really well. So,
0: um, well, I got the the first two are in my comicsology,
1: downloading to my iPad now, so I'll read them today. Nice. Yeah, let me know what you think, yeah. and listeners, let let us know what you think. Yep.
2: All right. Yeah, dig it. I actually have two things to recommend this week. One is I will be potentially today, if not today, this week, starting my uh, Twitch experience with Kingdom Hearts and uh, trying to make my way through Kingdom Hearts. I made myself a little graphic and I'm going to be uploading that today onto a little Twitch stream. And I feel like that means it's uh, able to go. And I will.
1: Share it on our Facebook page when you do.
2: The other thing, because Kingdom Hearts is amazing and the fourth one's or the third one's coming out. We call it the third. It's like the 15th. It's coming out next year, uh, hopefully, unless they put it off again. But I'm going to make my way... Been delayed like
0: three times already, yeah. so you, you never, I know. never know.
2: But I wouldn't be that upset if they put it off one more year, uh, if it means making a good game. Put off, take the time. We've learned enough with Andromeda and other shit games that you need to take the time. <laughs> and then um, the other thing I'm going to recommend is, this is actually sort of from Geek of the Week-ish, because I was about to recommend Jeff Lemire's graphic novel series, Sweet Tooth um it's this post apocalyptic sort of story uh, sort of story a post apocalyptic story about children who through some sort of strange experience and you find out what that is in the comics have started to become half animal and some are more than half some are less than half but all people who affected with this this thing have died so all of the adults of the world save for a few who are immune have passed away, and you're watching this boy named Sweet Tooth uh, who's got antlers because he's sort of part deer, and his crew uh, try to find out what's happened in the world and try to fix it. And it's, Jeff Lemire is a bit of a hard sit sometimes at the beginning because his art is so strange, but it's really cool. And
0: I had a real hard time getting into this story. I didn't mean to catch up. No, that's
2: okay. No, say what you're going to say. I thought you
0: were done. I will just say I had a really hard time getting into this series. So, like, I I, I tried reading it. Chris recommended this to me. I think you recommended it on one of our comic episodes, and I went and tried to read it. I had a real yeah. fucking hard time getting into it. So... Yeah. I usually like Jeff Lemire's stuff, but, like, this was...
2: It's a hard... Si-
0: I was like... Yeah, I was about six issues in, and I'm like, I'm going to stop, because it's not... It's not... Click-
1: it's probably one of those ones yeah. that's not for everybody, but if if it is up your alley, then it's yeah. way up yeah, the fucking uh... alley. And people talk about it, like, all the time. It's something that gets recommended.
0: Yeah, yeah, with. I hear it. Yeah, yeah it just lot. it did not sit with me properly. I mean, I probably need to go back to it, but yeah, I had a hard time with it the first
2: time. Well, it's it's something yeah. to consider, that's for sure. And then the uh, I bring it up because I can finally announce the art gallery in 2019 is going to be hosting an exhibition of Canadian indie artists called "This Is Serious." and comic artists comic artists yes and they're uh actually were in the gallery the other day and i i didn't realize it i walked by them with my dad um, uh, just a couple of them and this group of like guys who kind of look like you and mark <laughs> were like in the gallery <laughs> talking yes, to I'm our right. lead curators and i kind of looked and i was like who are these guys and then i kept walking and toby later our curator was just like I, I saw her when I was with my dad. And I was like, hey, who are you just talking to? And she was like, oh, those were the co- some of the comic guys. And I was like, what? And she went, I was going <laughs> to introduce you, but I really didn't think you could be cool. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I'm so a, cool. I'm the coolest. I'm glad your boss like, already
0: knows who you are. Like, yeah. I love that your boss yeah, already exactly. knows you. That's amazing.
2: She was just like, Chrissy, I'll introduce you. I'll be happy to introduce you. I just need to know that you can be relaxed about it. And I was like you're right you're right you made the right call you the yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the right call but, um, it was just one of those moments where i was like, ah! <laughs> like it...
1: are you are you allowed to say who's uh part of this exhibit yet yet oh no i
2: will okay. let you guys know first when i do though cool awesome Thanks. yeah but uh it's it's gonna be pretty exciting i'll say that nice it's cool. gonna be pretty exciting
0: what constitutes an indie comic creator in 2018 because half the guys that work for like the big two also have creator-owned projects so
2: that's the thing is that these are guys who have worked internationally they also well, I mean, like, are if... artists for marvel and yeah. dc
0: jeff lemire's done tons of stuff for at least vertigo like dc
1: stuff so
2: if he's in oh, the yeah, show did the
1: animal the animal yeah. man and uh swamp <laughs> thing runs are so fucking yeah, good ex- like that's like the Jeff Lemire stuff I like
0: is his mainstream work yeah. generally speaking like his his indie stuff has never clicked with me but like his Animal Man is fucking amazing so Yeah. yeah. Right up there with like the old Grant Morrison run it's yeah. really fucking weird so.
2: He's got a weird sensibility in his indie stuff like it doesn't all it's it's very strange and it's very dark. Yeah. But he does have a superb story writing skills like he's brilliant.
0: Yeah. He's top of the Constantine subreddit list for like who should be taking that book for like a couple year yeah. run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. If he's
2: in this show, though, I will poop because they're going to be producing a book highlighting the artists and like their best works that you can buy as a yeah as a piece. So when that's finally the dates are announced, I'll let everybody on the podcast know, and you should come down to the AGH and check out the indie comic exhibition.
0: Yeah, you need to let me know specifically what who's going to be there so that I can come down and just like take a look at what's going on because this is right up my alley. Like I love this kind of stuff.
2: The cool thing is, too, we're going to have a number of artist talks and different like events where you can meet the artists and things like that. That's awesome. So, yeah,
0: yeah, I need to see that artist list so that I can uh, make some decisions about who I want to see. So.
2: <laughs> well, when it comes to fruition, I'll let you know.
0: Yes, please.
2: But yeah, so with that, I think we're going to call the episode. So, thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been a real blast talking about Daredevil. Gets a little more. He- I was heated today. It's been a little while since I've gotten heated. <laughs> Yeah. It's been a couple of episodes. I think the last time I got this heated was talking about Witter and Henry <laughs> Cavill. But yes, you you can follow us online and all of our social media. We are on Facebook at just Dance Robot Dance Podcast. Twitter, we are drd underscore podcast. You can find us on Apple podcasts and all that kind of music and jazz and all your uh, podcast listening apps we uh, also have a gmail account that if you really feel the need to email us we will respond to you and that is just dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com other than that yeah please like and share and comment we love to hear from you guys as our listeners and if you have any opinions on daredevil or any of the stuff that we talked about please 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 talk to us and let us know what you thought And I guess lastly, I'll say, please, if you can, give us a rate or review, especially on iTunes. It really helps us out. And we're so grateful for all of the likes and everything we've been getting lately on the Facebook page. So uh, it really helps grow our listening. So thanks, guys. This has been a blast. Let's say goodbye. So, Mark, why don't you say bye? Have a good night, guys. And Tim, say goodbye.
0: Give me your jacket.
2: Oh, creepy. (laughs) <laughs> Alright, and uh, that'll be us signing off. This is Christy, and uh, who's been your host today, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. See you later, dudes. Bow, 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 bow,